0: It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
1: What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only
2: one more. There is, that's it. One more. Get around! No! They saw your team
0: put up zero effort. Wake up! Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loudmouth.
3: Yay!
0: Man. Can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never-was. You're a never-was.
2: It's going to snow tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Another snow day. I come back from Toronto. Niagara Falls, the Niagara Nightmare, as Speedy once called it last night. It's going to be crazy tonight. You are listening to The Sports loudmouth. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host Speeder. It's Speedy Petey time, baby. 631-672-3108 is the number to call you. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the loudmouth with me and Speedy Petey. All you have to do to tune in and look at all our local listings of our shows is you go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Speed, I was out of breath today. I don't know what's going uh, on with me. Yeah, well, Are you, I'm going to call it self-inflicted like oh, I always oh, do. Well, hold on one second. What do you mean, self-inflicted? You know. What do you, no, I don't you know. know. what? You know. Explain to me what I do know. I mean, you don't
1: comb your hair, do you? Do you use a brush? How,
2: how does hair correlate I just with i saying,
1: breath? do you... <laughs> All right, any any anyone in elementary school listening right now? I hope you know that hair doesn't correlate to breath. But you might you... have to teach a forty-one-year-old. <laughs> do you comb your hair, Speedy? Do do I breathe with my hair? <laughs> do, you, do you comb your hair? Do you do do I, do I let me know? Well, let me know
2: when you could breathe with your hair, and I, I,
1: I'll answer that. Question. I could
2: breathe on your hair if you want me to. No. <laughs> No, you may not. <laughs> do you use gel? What, what do you use that? A comb. Do, <laughs> do you use uh, WD 40? It looks like it's a little greasy. Now, my gel. grandfather loved WD 40, uh, but you, not for his hair. Did you ever try to
1: put it in your hair? I think that would look good in your hair. It gives it a little if, bit of a If shot. my grandfather didn't put WD 40 in my hair, nobody else will. But it would give it a That's good his shot. specialty. It but always will. What be. about your specialty? What is your specialty? It is specialty? not <laughs> correlating to me. <laughs> If he were to put it in my hair, <laughs> I'd not do it. Well,
2: why don't you use something else? I mean, do you need a brush? Should I give I you I have a brush? a brush. So why don't you use it? I did. Um, I, you used the brush? Eight hours ago, yes. <laughs> eight hours ago? Well, maybe you should do it for another five, five minutes ago. What the hell did you do to your hair?
1: All right. After this eight, 18 other things I have to do to produce the
2: show... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should go outside. It's windy. It could it could give a nice blow. Not happening. Why don't you just go not outside? happening? Why are you that? Are I'm, you
1: afraid of the wind? I'm not going in the cold for no reason. It is snowing. I'm not going in the cold for it's no reason.
2: It's flurrying right now as
1: we Congratulations. Said. Are you ready? It's snowing. It's snowing. You like that? And that was your today's local weather. <laughs>
2: I well I don't know if it's the local weather, but hey, if, if why you are you reporting? Sing- are you reporting? If from, you want me are to you, sing- are
1: you reporting snow in Louisiana?
2: It, <laughs> it might happen. I mean, we've seen it in California. We've seen it in Florida. Why couldn't we see it in Louisiana? I didn't say we couldn't. I'm uh, just saying. How, how would you know? I I mean, would you swim with alligators in Louisiana? No, why would you do that? No, why not? I don't need to get eaten by an alligator. I I mean, but if you, actually- I'm not going to get eaten by an alligator. <laughs> If I gave you, a, you know, a machine gun, would you swim? Would you? Swim I don't want to shoot a machine gun, so I don't care. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not in the mood for mean... hunting alligators. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I just think it's funny when I when I bring up animals, you you get all like defensive, you know? Yeah, because I don't want to mess with creatures that could kill me. <laughs> <laughs> you have a machine gun. Okay, that doesn't mean I'm. I don't protect you. That doesn't mean I'm going to shoot it. Well, I'm. <laughs> Well, you better shoot it well, or you'll be eaten. Well, duh! <laughs> good job, second graders. Second
1: graders know the basic necessities. Woo, yes. Teach a forty-one-year-old.
2: Wait a second. Are you are you, are you making fun of my age right now? How about you? No, I'm making fun old? of your knowledge. Well, my knowledge is
1: good, man. I could swim with the alligator. Basically, you're saying, oh, if I if, if I don't hit the alligator with the gun, I'm going to die. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> that doesn't second mean greater. Hey, wait that. a second.
2: Duh. <laughs> First of all, the alligators won't attack you unless you bother it, right? Which I'm not going to do. So you swim with it. You're not bothering it. You're just you with it. You don't know that. Uh, well, you just swim with it. You're all right, just- you test it geez. out. <laughs> Uh, if I test it out, you have to. No, test I don't. It out. Uh, we, we, we. No, I don't. To, we share. No, the I don't. In they, the don't
1: water. Well, it, it they don't correlate. Well, they don't correlate.
2: I think you should be open. For they don't it. correlate. I just think you need to. Of course, you, you do. Know, lay. Be laid back a little bit more. I, not just, happening with an alligator. I mean, well,
1: look at your hair, man. It's all over. That doesn't correlate with it an is? alligator. <laughs> <If> <laughs> an alligator's hungry. it's not going to care what the hair looks like. <laughs>
2: Maybe it'll just spit your hair out. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. I don't know, and I'm not risking it. All right. At 9 o'clock, we will be talking to former MLB outfielder and current Dodgers professional scout, our friend, Greg Galson. He'll be joining us. Uh, and at 9.30, we'll be talking to former Vikings and Jets linebacker, Aaron Henderson. Jerry Jones says he didn't want to make drastic changes by bringing in a new head coach to replace Mike McCarthy. That doesn't mean he won't fire him at the beginning of the season if this team starts off slow. The Falcons officially scheduled a second interview with Bill Belichick. I'm not surprised. I Usually when you hear a second interview, means that they're probably closing the deal there. They're negotiating contract situations and maybe the GM situation because he is probably taking over as the GM slash head coach. I know a lot of people sitting here today is probably going to question why Bill Belichick wants to come back as a head coach. And I will tell you that he wants to break Don Shula's record. That is the only reason why he wants to come back and coach. If he if he coaches at least three more years and wins about eight to nine games, he should break Don Shuler's record. So I expect him to break it, and then he'll ride off into the sunset like Peyton Manning did as a quarterback, and like some of the coaches that we've seen over the years do. And, and, and he'll go down as the greatest coach of all time because he'll have practically all the records. Uh, the Eagles will bring back Nick Sirianni, but other changes at the coaching staff is more likely – I I will say this. The fact that the Eagles are bringing back Nick Sirianni after what we heard Jalen Hurts say, after we heard some of the defensive players and Cox come out and say that there might need to be another voice in this locker room that can help us move forward as a team, it tells me one thing is that he lost the locker room, so... They don't want to fire him because obviously he went all the way to the Super Bowl last year with this team. But with a new coaching staff, as two coaches fled and one went to the Arizona Cardinals and the other one went to the Indianapolis Colts, uh, you see the difference in Nick Sirianni's coaching skills. Uh, The Knicks are very likely to include Quentin Grimes in a trade at the trade deadline. Wow. The Knicks are finally going to trade Quentin Grimes after they could have landed – a guy named Donovan Mitchell. So makes no sense on why the Knicks decided to do this. Now maybe they think he doesn't fit into the future. Now after introducing and in you know trading for OG and Anobi, so uh, maybe that's the reason why. I don't know, but uh, we'll we'll definitely look forward to the trade deadline. Uh, the Nets and the Lakers interested in Murray, and so are the Seventy Sixers and the Heat. So uh, I do believe we are going to see Murray head somewhere and Atlanta's looking to rebuild. Now I'm surprised that Trey Young's name is not being brought up in conversation because Atlanta, even though they're a borderline, you know, play in team, I think they, they know that they they know the writing on the board that this team needs to rebuild and they don't have much of a future. So th- that's interesting as well. Let's parlay. It looks like it's going to be Wes tonight. And maybe Reno you know, Johnny. We're hoping that Reno Johnny could join us. Chaz actually said he
1: might pop in too. But oh. he's not going to have a lot of bats, he says. So he might just come in for uh, comedic relief. Is he, <laughs> is he hanging out with himself? <laughs> he said he has a bet for the first game, but that was it. Is I'm he sorry.
2: eating some oatmeal? Maybe. You are going to ask him. Uh, I know he was sick. And that's all he probably can eat over the last week. I think it's oatmeal or soup. And uh, the division round picks, and we will get into that as well. We'll make our picks. I'm sure you guys will have your own thoughts to the whole pick situation. But let's get into it. The Cowboys' latest, Adam Scheffner reports that the Cowboys will retain Mike McCarthy for the final year of his contract. Jerry Jones, did you guys hear that? Jerry Jones said that he didn't feel that the Cowboys needed a drastic change and supports Mike McCarthy, leadership and progress he's made with the team. McCarthy said, we have established a championship program. I know how to win and I will get over this Threshold. Ooh. Giving some enthusiasm at his press conferences, to, to, does he? Uh, ESPN's Ed Werder reports that the Cowboys will bring back Dan Quinn as the defensive coordinator if he's not hired by another team as a head coach, which it seems like it will be Seattle. If,
3: if, uh, if anything,
2: uh, the Panthers and the Titans and uh, Titans interviewed Quinn yesterday and Quinn is scheduled to meet with the Commanders, Seahawks and chargers as well in four seasons, coaching for the Cowboys. McCarthy has a 42 and 25 season record, but is just one in three in the playoffs. First of all, the playoff record stands out. And I know everybody's looking at that. Oh, he's one in three. That means he's a bad coach. He also coached Brett Favre, and he also coached Aaron Rodgers. And when he won the Super Bowl in 2010 with Aaron Rodgers, he won it practically as the final wildcard team, which I think that was the first wildcard team that actually won a Super Bowl. But not only that, Mike McCarthy doesn't get any credit on how this offense played this year. This isn't Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore went to the Chargers this past year. Justin Herbert couldn't stay healthy, and when he was playing, the offense was not good. And we we understand that Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy did not get along on the sidelines because Mike McCarthy likes to run the offense faster. Kellen Moore likes to, you know, ease up on the offense, run the ball, run the ball, and throw the ball in certain certain positions, in certain ways to run the offense. I and And that to me, was very different this year with Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy was getting the guys up at the line very quickly, and it was all fast throws. And and Dak Prescott last year, why he made a lot of mistakes is he held on to the ball too long. This year, it was in and out of his hands. Actually, it went, I think he got the ball out of his hands almost 1.3 or 1.4 seconds faster than he did last year. And that helped Dak Prescott. That also helped the Cowboys, in running some of their slant plays and, and and using Pollard in the open field, what they did, which they did well the year before, and it didn't fully work out as well as they thought it was going to this year. CeeDee Lamb had uh, just an unbelievable season. He's one of the best wide receivers in the league. You can argue he's a top three, top two wide receiver in all of football. He broke every Cowboy record this year having over 1,600 yards, over, I think, 120 catches or something of that magnitude. And uh, he had another, I think, what, 13 touchdowns, 14 touchdowns. He had a sensational year. The problem with the Cowboys is going into the offseason. I don't know where Dan Quinn's going to go. And more than likely, he's going to go to Seattle. That's the prediction. Unless one of these teams, the Panthers or the Titans, really want Dan Quinn and they want to jump on it as quick as possible before he sits in on the commanders and the Seahawks and the Chargers. There's no way he's getting the Charger job. There's a chance he might get the commander job because they'll hire anybody. But and Harris is a new owner, so maybe he goes elsewhere. He wants to bring in a big name. But it seems like it's Seattle, or I could predict the Panthers. Those are the two teams that really stand out the most for Dan Quinn. So I do I I do not believe. That he's coming back next year. I do not believe it. But I will say this. For Jerry Jones. You're going into an off season. Where there's a lot of questions. One of the big questions right now. For Jerry Jones is. When is he going to step back. And let his son take over. As the GM. Slash. Owner of this organization. Jerry Jones is in his mid 80s. He's at the tail end of his life and he needs to let a younger generation push and push the right buttons because the buttons have not been pushed right for over 30 some odd years. They haven't won a championship since the nineties. They've had plenty of good teams, probably one of the better offensive lines in the tooth early 2000 era. Dak Prescott, as much as everybody thinks he stinks is not a bad quarterback. Now, is he good in the playoffs? He hasn't been. He hasn't shown up in the big-time spots you expect a starting quarterback to do and to be a part of of a huge organization that has been successful over the years with the Dallas Cowboys. He's not Bart Starr. As we all know, the Green Bay Packers and the success they had in the early 60s and 50s and 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 again, you look at Dak Prescott and his comparison to some of the old timing quarterbacks, and there is none. There is no comparison because Dak Prescott is a new age quarterback, a quarterback that obviously needs to find himself and what type of quarterback he is going to be moving forward as a veteran quarterback. And Mike McCarthy, I think, has discovered how to use Dak Prescott in his offense. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He is not Brett Favre. He's better outside of the pocket than people think that he is. He's not as accurate as Aaron Rodgers. But he doesn't make as many mistakes as Brett Favre. They have a quarterback you can win with. I don't care what any Cowboy fan says. He They can win with Dak Prescott. And I bring up Bart Starr because... Bart Starr, in the beginning of his career, and I don't know if anybody knows this, Bart Starr was not looked at as an elite quarterback or was going to be a star quarterback in the NFL. It took him a little while to figure things out. And when he did, he became a star. Dak Prescott, he was a fourth-round draft pick. And I'm not saying Dak Prescott is Bart Starr. I never said that, and I know everybody's going to say, well, why are you bringing up Bart Starr? Because Bart Starr, when, when Bart Starr came into the league, nobody thought that Bart Starr was going to be the elite quarterback he became. And it took him a while, and he figured it out. And I think that this is the same thing with Dak. I think coaching is going to help him develop. Lombardi helped Bart Starr develop into the quarterback he became. And I think... Understanding the game. And remember, Bart Starr played for Alabama. And we've seen a lot of Alabama quarterbacks in the years never were successful. I mean, if you really look at it, Bart Starr, Joe Namath, and now maybe two are the best quarterbacks that ever played out of Alabama. There are not many quarterbacks that really stand out. And I, again, I bring up the Green Bay Packer way because where did Mike McCarthy come from? The Packers. That's where he started his... Practically his coaching career. He's over there, and he's trying to rebuild the confidence of a quarterback that people have given up on. And the Cowboys, everybody, you're going into the offseason. Dak Prescott is going to make 60-some-odd 1000000 dollars next year. They they don't have a lot of money in the offseason when it comes to free agency. So they're going into the season next year with practically the same team. So Jerry Jones has to be smart this offseason. And that's why I think his son needs to be more involved in the decision-making of this team and this organization. So you look at it now. And this is the story. And I understand why Jerry Jones kept Mike McCarthy. How could you fire a guy that's given you almost 12 wins for back-to-back-to-back seasons? You can't fire a guy. That's successful. Now, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. He's only won one game. He hasn't even been in an NFC title game. And I know that's what everybody says, but just to find a coach that's going to give you consecutive winning seasons, it's not common. It isn't. And that says a lot about Bill Belichick, even though it's back to back years with losing seasons. Bill Belichick is a proven winner. Mike Tomlin is a proven winner. Is Robert Sala a proven winner? <laughs> he's won seven games in back-to-back years. He's not a proven winner. The only thing he wins at is keeping receipts. Is Brian Dable a proven winner? After coming into a season where the schedule wasn't as easy as the year before. And then he's, there's stories coming out that he's not getting along with his coaching staff and some of his players. After winning coach of the year. Coaching is not easy in the NFL. And I know a lot of Cowboy fans did not like the fact that Mike McCarthy's coming back. Oh, we have a chance to get oh Bill Belichick. Or we have a chance to get Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh was never going to the Cowboys. And I I didn't believe at any point when those stories were coming out after the Lions game, I think, what, was it Sunday night when that was coming out, that Bill Belichick had any chance of going to the Cowboys. Bill Belichick is not going to ride... Bill Parcells jockstrap. He didn't want to do that with the Jets. He really didn't want to do that when he was the the, the what it was defensive coordinator, cornerback coach with the Giants in the eighties and the nineties. He wanted to be his own self, and he still went to a team. That Bill Parcells at one point coached and took a team all the way to a Super Bowl in the New England Patriots, and he proved that he didn't need to be on Bill Belichick, a uh, Bill Parcells jockstrap to be successful. And he became
1: one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, if not the greatest. And again, you also look at Jerry Jones, like the stability that he wants to bring to a team where he's contradicted himself over the years in that and. That comes from holding on to Jason Garrett for as long as he did. And I thought he was like five years overdue from getting rid of him. Because Dallas, with Jason Garrett, lost three straight winner go home games to win the NFC East. If that doesn't sell collapse of the playoffs, I don't know what does. And you want to blame Tony Romo for that. You want to blame Jason Garrett, whoever it is. Yeah, the Cowboys have had similar woes, but they're mostly in the playoffs. They're consistently in the playoffs. Besides the first year, where they went 6-10, and 10, Mike McCarthy's been in the playoffs 12 years. 12-win seasons every year. Now, he has had clock management issues, which I think has hurt him as a head coach in the playoffs. He has had issues with not using certain players properly, like he did with Ezekiel Elliott. That's why Ezekiel Elliott had to leave, and he ended up going to the Patriots. And this year, really, CeeDee Lamb and Ferguson were the only consistent guys all year. So, yeah, there are definitely criticisms, but when you have somebody like Dak Prescott who's going to get a big contract this offseason, if he he doesn't take the extension this year, he'll get it the following year, and he still makes 60-something million. So, it's going to be something that you have to get the quarterback position Right. And Dak Prescott, he was a good quarterback before that, but he has never been this great like he has been in the last two years. Even the 2022 year where he led the league in interceptions, he still had some very good advanced metrics on his side. So a lot of that comes with McCarthy's development. Now, the defensive coordinator I would be concerned with because I think Dan Quinn's going to Seattle too. And they're going to lose a lot of players in that front seven as well. There's a lot of free agents on that Cowboys defense. So maybe that's another reason they're trying to say, all right, we could just trust to be an offensive team. That's why they trust an offensive scheme that works for them. And again... I still
2: think that Dak Prescott could win with the Cowboys. But maybe going into the offseason, the Cowboys decide, hey, you know what, we can get something for Dak Prescott. Maybe we can move him. Maybe there's another team that will give us – uh, a first round draft pick, or maybe a second round draft pick, and a player, and and maybe we re- maybe the Cowboys decide, hey, we'll we'll sign Carson Wentz for a year and see if we can win with Carson Wentz. Maybe we have a better chance of winning with a quarterback more likely to be that pocket present quarterback that you know, I, uh, maybe a uh, Mike McCarthy could work with better. I don't know, but. I thought Dak Prescott had a sensational year. I thought he was a top five quarterback in the league. Did he look good the last two weeks of the season? Probably not. Did he look good in the playoffs? No, but he didn't look as bad as everybody thought he was. And the fact that they're deciding to keep Mike McCarthy only tells you one thing. That Mike McCarthy believes he can win with Dak, Dak Prescott. He also believes that he can win with this team. The, the, again, going back to the wide receivers that they did not have this year. They need to figure out who they are as far as just being C.D. Lamb's team. They need to find another guy. They need to find a number two. Maybe they draft him in the first round. Maybe they move up in the first round and get the guy that they particularly are looking looking to draft, maybe a Coleman at number 13, if they're willing to give up a future first-round draft draft pick, if they feel that there are one player or two players away to land a big-time playmaker, I don't know. But I do not believe Jerry Jones should be running this team next year. I do not believe Jerry Jones should be drafting players anymore. He needs to give the reins to the younger guy, the guy that actually... Told Jerry not to draft Johnny Manziel. He told Jerry not to do certain things. He told Jerry to draft Smith a couple of years ago when healthy, played very well. He also said to Jerry at number 17 to draft CD Lamb. And look how good CD Lamb is. Jerry Jones needs to step down. He needs to let the young bucks, he needs to let his son start running this team, and maybe even if his son takes over the team, brings in a real
1: GM, which the Cowboys have not had in over 30 some years. And you wonder if that kind of thing has shied other coaches away, too, because I, a lot of our guests have come on and said the, the Cowboys are used as leverage for other teams to give these coaches big contracts, too, which was thinking that Sean Payton was going to go to the Cowboys. He used that as leverage to get a huge contract from the Broncos, and obviously it hasn't worked greatly. It hasn't worked badly yet, but we'll see. But even so, we've seen these coaches go there first, and maybe— These other coaches were thinking that was going to happen, too. And maybe that's why Jerry Jones said, all right, no, we're just going to keep McCarthy anyway. Because Bill Belichick, he was going to be linked to the Cowboys immediately after the playoff game. He was like, oh, Bill Belichick to Dallas confirmed after they got smoked in the
2: playoffs by the Cowboys. Sometimes when you bring in a coach—and again— Mike McCarthy needed to take over the reins offensively for Dak Prescott to really become the quarterback that he became this year. And again, going back to Bart Starr, when Lombardi took over that team, he, Bart Starr was drafted in 1956. Mm-hmm. He didn't become the starting quarterback until 1959. And he was it was back and forth who was the starting quarterback that year. Because even though Bart Starr was a high draft pick, there were a lot of questions about his ability. Is he going to achieve the quarterback and take over the quarterback position when Lombardi, when Lombardi took over the team and it took a little while and he f- had to figure things out and Lombardi helped him figure out what type of quarterback he became. And, he, and, and obviously how many quarterbacks could say they've won three back to back to back championships in sure. a row. And Bart Starr is one of only that's done that. So, mm-hmm. and it's not the Super Bowl but he's the only quarterback in NFL history that won
1: three championships in a row. Mm-hmm the first year before the Super Bowl era and then the first two Super Bowls. And yeah, it hasn't been done since. As as much as Joe Montana and Tom Brady have won. They've never done that back-to-back either. He's the only quarterback to ever do that. And, and, And maybe that's what the Cowboys needed. They needed
2: Mike McCarthy to take over the calls. And I think it's going to help Dak Prescott. This was the first year under Mike McCarthy's tutelage offense. He was running Mike McCarthy's offense that he was running with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. So maybe... Another year under this offense with another weapon on one side. Maybe another running back because they're going to need that. Uh, maybe this offense is dif- different. And and this defense needs to wake up. They need to find corners. Yeah. Their corner play, and I don't want to hear about Diggs because he got hurt. The corner play is not the reason why the Cowboys didn't win anything this year. It wasn't. It was one of the reasons, but it wasn't the only reason. But they need help over there. And and I'm telling you, you can't bring Gilmore and expect bringing Gilmore back and Diggs because Diggs can't stay healthy. The guy has had, what, one healthy season in his whole career? And now you're paying almost $20 million a year. (laughs) I, I know, because of the one season where he had, what, 11 interceptions? Ooh, big whoop. And all he's done this year is open his big mouth about his... His big brother and protecting his big brother over Josh Allen, who doesn't say anything.
1: And taking shots at his own quarterback, too. Oh, saying, that's another thing. <laughs> saying, oh, he's not going to make the fans boo anymore, or whatever he said, the trading camp. And they're starting a fight, too, no less.
2: It's ridiculous. It really is. And he shouldn't be opening his mouth because he's not part of the team right now. And he needs to go into the offseason and, and put up or shut up because that's the problem with a lot of these players, including the Cowboys. I like Micah Parsons. I've listened to his podcast. I think it's fantastic. I, I think he sticks up for a lot of players. He stuck up for Zach Wilson, and <laughs> Zach Wilson looked like crap. But what was he sticking up for? Zach Wilson was a piece of garbage. He, and I'm not saying he's a piece of garbage as a person. His his game was garbage. He can't play in the NFL. But Micah Parsons says, How could you say that when he hasn't given he hasn't been given a chance? Three years is enough for me to say he's been given a chance. And he stinks. And Michael Parsons has been throwing other people under the bus throughout the season on his show. And and Micah, I think, needs to worry about his own game because in the last five weeks, what did he do? Defensively, this guy was in the beginning of the season, the first six or seven games, he was he was running all over people. And that the same thing happened last year. In the first eight or nine games, Michael Parsons was a beast. And then really the last six games. He played well, but he didn't play it the, the way he was playing in the beginning of the season. And I can say that about the Cowboys' defense last year to this year. Same thing happened. They were good in the first half and ah eh, in the second half. So that's a huge problem. NFL Network's Ian Rapoport reports that the Falcons are scheduled to meet with Bill Belichick for a second time this weekend. Belichick already met with one-on-one with the owner, Arthur Blank, and now will meet with the members of the front office. CBS Sports' Josina Anderson uh, reports that since he is now re- meeting with them twice, it is almost inevitable that he will be accepting the Falcons' head coaching job. Belichick said he is targeting... Or uh, a talented but underachieving teams when looking for the next coaching job of his choosing. The Falcons recently interviewed Eagles offensive coordinator Brian Johnson and Jim Harbaugh as well. The Falcons will have 35 million in cap space and the number eight overall pick. Bill Belichick is taking that job. I thought it was going to be the Chargers, but it looks like the Chargers are mainly going after Jim Harbaugh. That's who they're gunning for. And, and more than likely, Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan. I know there are stories coming out that Michigan is interested in renegotiating a deal, giving him arguably one of the biggest college contracts in NCAA history, but really as a coach in all of sports, because Jim Harbaugh could be getting if he gets offered a Michigan contract, probably around 13 to $15 million. Now, I don't know what Saban was getting over there in Alabama. He was 12. I, I, I think Jim Harbaugh, if he gets 13, between 13 and 15, he'd be the highest paid coach in NCAA history and NFL history because I don't think there is a coach making that money right now. But it's interesting when you look at Bill Belichick and taking over for the Falcons. Now, the Falcons are built very, very well. They, they, I do believe that there may be a quarterback and a couple of pieces away from being a contender in a conference that's just crap. It really is. What do you have, San Francisco? The Eagles, you're bringing back Nick Sirianni. Are you really worried about them? Mike McCarthy hasn't won anything in the playoffs. Maybe they win 12 games next year. Maybe they don't. They'll make the playoffs. The, the rest of the conference, the commanders stink. The Giants look like they're falling apart. Minnesota, we don't know who what they are. Or are they bringing back Kirk Cousins? I mean, you could go up. Green Bay looks like they have a quarterback, but is Green Bay going to be good next year? Who knows? They could be up and down next year. Chicago? They don't know who their quarterback is. Is it Caleb Williams? Is it Justin Fields? I could go on and on. Seattle decided to part ways with Pete Carroll. For what reason? I don't understand it because he's getting too old. He wants to coach still. The guy's been successful. He was having a successful year until his quarterback, Geno Smith. I don't know. Looked like he was peg legged throughout the the second half of the season. Nobody was catching the ball in Seattle at the end of the season. Again, the conference is wide open, so of course Bill Belichick would think, "Hey, you know what? I don't want to stay in the AFC. I don't want to go. I don't want to go in the Chiefs division where I have to play the Chiefs back to back, you know, back to back times in a season. Why would he want to do that?" If I was Bill Belichick, I'd say, "Hey, I could go coach the Falcons. I'm in easy I'm in an easy division. Who do I have to worry about in that division?" <laughs> Who? Tampa? Tampa's good. Is Todd Bowles going to do it do it back-to-back years? Come on, guys. The Panthers? <laughs> Is he really worried about the Panthers? I mean, and then the the Saints uh, after seeing what we saw at the end of the season what the coach did and 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 Putting up on you know points in Atlanta couldn't stand it. By the way, and Bill Belichick is known <laughs> there. He's known to do that in Atlanta, you know, in in New England against the Jets. So why not do it in Atlanta when he plays the Saints? And he has to play the Saints twice this year. <laughs> a revenge on Dennis Allen. <laughs> Honestly, it makes a lot of sense why Bill Belichick would take the job with the Falcons. They have a great tight end, which by the way they didn't use right in Kyle Pitts. They have Drake London who. I think is a great wide receiver. Just needs to stay healthy. I said it last. I said it yesterday. Bijan Robinson. This defense, this secondary, which was very weak the year before, is played very well throughout the season. They made a move for Jesse Bates. It changed everything for that defense. They drafted a, a, a D back. They might draft another D back in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Bill Belichick is known to. Build secondaries everywhere he's gone i i it makes a lot of sense, and by the way, there's no weaknesses besides the quarterback position on this team that is the weakness right now in atlanta where where are they drafting eight eight they still could get panics they still Maybe could trade up at eight. Maybe they trade with the, the, uh, the, Chargers. the Chargers. I think that makes a lot
1: of sense. Or
2: maybe Chicago. If anyone's thinking the
1: Giants are going to take a quarterback, they still might be scared of that. The Chargers and Falcons are perfect trade partners. How about the the Chicago Bears at one if they want to keep Justin Fields? Sure. Eight to one,
2: you'd have to give up a first round draft pick for him next year's first round draft pick. But guess what? Bill Belichick can get his pick of the litter wherever he wants to go. Right. Is it Drake May? Does he's the prototypical quarterback that everybody says coming out of draft? Caleb Williams could be the most talented quarterback in this class. You could go any way in this draft if you're drafting out one. So Bill Belichick knows that this team, them and the Chargers are very interesting. And 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 again. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus because Arthur Smith just fell apart in the second half of the season for the Atlanta Falcons. And he's a, And I know, Speedy, you liked him last year. I liked him season. in the first
1: year. The second year, he it was good but not great. And then this year, just, ugh. He was putrid. Yeah. And I, I'm telling you right now,
2: I look at Bill Belichick. You know if he takes this job, he's bringing in somebody named Josh McDaniels. Mm-hmm. He's bringing him. He's definitely bringing him as the offensive coordinator. And I wouldn't be surprised if he brings in another defensive coordinator that what did take over on the defensive side of the ball for the Eagles last year. <laughs> I mean, this year. After firing their defensive coordinator, if you know what I'm talking about, Mr. Uh-huh. Science Rocket Machine over there. I mean, honestly, they're going to build a winning culture over there in Atlanta. And I think that's where... Bill Belichick makes a lot of sense on why he dis- he'll he probably decide to go there, then the Chargers, because he has a chance very fast to win. Because the only team he necessarily has to worry about year in and year out is San Francisco. And by the way, he doesn't have to play them probably for two years. So... He has a chance to really move through his conf- his division and the
1: conference and only has to see San Francisco one time, and that's in the playoffs. Right, and I think the division, I think, is the biggest thing because you look at the NFC South, the way it's regressed and not been consistent. Tampa and the Saints had good runs at certain points, but they're have f- I mean, Tampa's still a playoff team, obviously, but they're not the – powerhouse they were with Tom Brady and the Saints are a talented team that's very poorly coached and the obviously the Panthers are just a dysfunctional train wreck right now. So he knows that with Bill Belichick's influence there, Arthur Blank knows that the Falcons, this is their best chance to turn around because again, these other seasons that they've had, they've not without having much of a quarterback play, they've had decent talent. They're still seven and ten. They're not like two and fifteen or three and fourteen the way that these other teams have been. So he knows that coaching really matters to an extent and Bill Belichick is going to have control of this defense, which he got better this year. You don't usually see free agent defenses get over uh, over one season and make it work, but you're right. The offense is the big thing they're going to have to fix regardless of who the coach is. Quarterback, and maybe more receiving depth after Drake London, because they don't really have much after that. Cordero Patterson was okay, but again, Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson, those are the two big guys that they're going to have to really you turn You have three around, guys yeah. that
2: could change
1: an offense. Kyle Pitts, Drake London,
2: and you said uh, B. John Robinson. They have other weapons. They're 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 pretty good offensively. Yeah. They and their offensive line is is actually not bad. It's decent. Yeah, it's not a bad offensive line. And Bill Belichick, in the way he runs his offense, he doesn't need a top end offensive line because he likes to get the ball out as quick as possible. So uh, if if he gets the right quarterback and the quarterback that makes sense for him, and that's why I think. Really, moving up in this year's draft and getting the guy that he wants or bringing in a veteran guy like Jimmy G playing and and drafting the quarterback at eight, bringing in Jimmy G that can run his offense, who knows his offense, and also was, he did work with Josh McDaniels last year, but that doesn't say much, but Bill Belichick is there. I
1: think that could help the growth of the young quarterback that they bring in. Yeah. And you also look at the scheme, like adaptability too. It could help for Josh McDaniels not having to run the whole team. And you look at Bill Belichick, with Josh McDaniels together, like their team offense is even without the greatest receivers or the greatest running backs, they like to rotate a lot of running backs too. They made that kind of thing work. And now they have top end stars to go with that kind of thing too. They always had it at tight end, but like receivers, Wes Wilker, they found off the Dolphins special teams. Julian Edelman was undrafted. Like these running backs too, besides Corey Dillard, like nobody else is going to be quote unquote, considered a stud. They have that kind of thing considered a stud with Bijan Robinson and Kyle Pitts. If they can reach their athletic potential.
2: Oh, no question. And again, Uh, Again, I I think that somebody like Bill Belichick and and where he's planning to go, I think he's made up his decision. That's why he's going for a second interview, because I think they're now just negotiating a contract and how they're going to want to move forward. And and then I think you're going to hear probably at the end of the weekend that he is going to be going to the Atlanta Falcons. So I, I... it's not a coincidence that he's going for a second interview. When you hear a second interview, it usually means they're closing in on him. So, and that's the same thing with Robert Sala with the Jets. As soon as you heard a second interview, you knew he was going to sign with the Jets. And I, I think the same thing over here. So, uh, it looks like the Falcons are going to land probably the best coach uh available this offseason and one of the greatest coaches that we've ever seen coach in any professional sports and as successful as Bill Belichick has been in a 20 year span it, it's it's pretty amazing and 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 hopefully they bring in the right guys the right quarterbacks uh to move forward with this team because i think they're they have a tremendous amount of weapons and a tremendous amount of depth offensively in on this roster so there you go um All right, Quentin Grimes, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I love this story. Mm, 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 mm. Hoops Hypes. Michael Scotto reports that the Knicks are actively shopping Quentin Grimes in order to trade for a star player. He also added they are willing to move multiple first-round picks and trade the contract of Evan Fournier in a potential trade. Grimes commented about a month ago that he was frustrated in his role with the Knicks even before the OG Anobi trade. Reports say that the Knicks have interest in Bruce Brown, who just got traded to the Raptors in a deal sending Pascal Siakam to the Pacers. Hawks point guard uh, Murray and Piston small forward uh, Bijan uh, Bogdanovich Uh, are also players that the Knicks have been linked to. The Knicks are reportedly also targeting a defensive-oriented guard and backup power forward. The Knicks have six first-round picks in the next two seasons. First of all, you have six first-round draft picks in the next two seasons. Why are you trading them away? (laughs) You finally have picks, and you're going to trade them away. And what they're trading them for, by the way, I like Murray. If you could get Murray... I I, I love that move. Bogdanovich? He's not a star. You're going to give up Quentin Grimes for Bogdanovich? This is the same Quentin Grimes you wouldn't trade him for Donovan Mitchell? That doesn't make sense. Why would you go after a Bogdanovich if you had a chance to get a Donovan Mitchell? It doesn't make sense. And and again, I, I love what Leon Rose has done. I really do. I, I love the OG Anobi move. I, I I was surprised that they made a move like that. It looks like it's working out for Toronto just as much as it's working out for the New York Knicks. Bruce Brown? Is he a star? He's a good player. I remember him on the Nets. He, had a, he was having a decent season with the Pacers. I, I wonder where they're going with this. If you're going to give up a significant amount of draft talk, which the Knicks have. They have a lot of draft stock. They have six first-round draft picks in the next two seasons. I don't know if they're protected or unprotected, but they have a ton. How does this work? How does this work for the New York Knicks? Because these names that we're seeing right now, Bruce Brown, Murray, and Bogdanovich are not the names that I want to hear. I want to hear... Carl Anthony Towns. I wanted to hear Pascal Siakam, who's now a Pacer. Mm-hmm. That makes sense on giving up a significant amount of draft stock the way we're hearing the Knicks are going to have to do or trade to get an impact player. These guys are not impact players. They're not. They're looking for an impact player to help a Jalen Brunson. Now, they're going to say, well, we have one in Julius Randle. He's opting out of his contract at the end of the season. So you're going to make a trade for Bruce Brown, and then you're going to extend him? And then going into the offseason, what are you going to have to get a max player? You're not going to have enough money to get a max player. So you're going to give away draft picks to bring in a player that's just a fill-in player this year, re-sign him in the offseason because you're giving up a significant amount of draft stock for him, and then you're only going to have a significant amount of money where you can make a move for a— a a little bit lower of a max player where you're not going to get the superstar player that you thought you were going to go or get in the offseason. Great move for the New York Knicks. I I think it's an absolute dumb move by the New York Knicks. If you're not going to get a superstar to fill in at the part, you know, in in, uh, at the position that they're looking to fill in, then don't trade
1: the picks. Mm-hmm. There's no impact player on that list besides probably Murray, but Murray doesn't really fit with the Knicks because the Knicks have Jalen Brunson already. So you're going to lose a lot of you're going to lose a lot with trading for that. Those other guys are role players. Bruce Brown's a good sixth man, but not really much else besides that. And somebody like Bodanovich, good shooter, not much else besides that. So I don't know why they're trying to use their last like big asset on their roster outside of Julius Randle. They try to trade Julius Randle in order to get that. And I think that's where I think this flaw is in their plan. Now, unless they traded only one first round pick and maybe another player on the team, one of their other young players, fine. But these players are not worth Quentin Grimes, who has the highest upside. We were talking about it with Donovan Mitchell, like Don, the, teams would not trade Quentin, trade for Quentin Grimes. The Knicks weren't going to do it for anything more than Donovan Mitchell. So why would they do it for a player that's worse? All Cleveland wanted was Quentin Grimes. It was either R.J. Barrett or Quentin
2: Grimes, and, and maybe a big man. I've heard Harnstein. I also heard maybe uh, Mitchell Robinson, and three first-round draft picks to get Donovan Mitchell, who, by the way, is averaging 30 points a game right now. Yep. He's one of the best guards in the league right now. And the Knicks, all they had to do was get rid of Quinn Grimes. Now, all of a sudden, he doesn't fit with this roster now now that OG and Anobi is there. And now you're just going to give up on him? You're going to say, oh, you know what? We just lost a chance to get one of the best offensive players in the league who wants to be here. And uh, we're now deciding to trade away the piece that everybody wanted last offseason and now doesn't want This, right now in the middle of the season,
1: where they thought he was going to fit this roster like a glove. And again, so, you also look at them needing size, too. Like, a lot of these things don't make sense when you're trying to trade for these other guards. Like, yeah, I understand they could use some more three-point shooting. It's understandable. But they really need size with Mitchell Robinson not likely to be out for the rest of the season. He might come back for the playoffs. Fine. Isaiah Hartenstein's held his own. And right now, Achua coming in from the, from the Raptors trade is doing fine. But, like, I, I don't think that's really the big area they have to address anyway. Any of these players being rumored are not the ones to go for right now if you're going to trade somebody like Grimes. And, and
2: also, there's other teams looking for these players.
1: I mean, obviously the Lakers are looking for a
2: guard. We've heard uh, Murray's name being brought up. We've heard Bogdanovich's name being brought up. These are the guys that are going to be available. Of course, the Knicks are going to be linked to him. I want to see the Knicks go after somebody outside of the box. Evan Fournier, nobody wants Evan Fournier. The Knicks are trying to move it. They've been trying to move him for the last two years. Nobody wants that contract. That was one of
1: the worst contracts Leon Rose gave to a player. What about Kuzma? Would you be interested in that kind of thing? I would take Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, he
2: could play defense. He's a rebounder. He could score. He's going to give you a, He could give you 20 points. Uh, he could be your sixth man. He could come off the bench and give you automatic offense. <laughs> He's something that the Knicks need. They need that automatic offense off the bench or even as a starter. And right now, their rotation is good at the, at, at the lineup. Uh, you're seeing all these players start to develop. Uh, Ananobi could be a 20, 25-point guy in the future. He reminds me of a Jimmy Butler. Now, Jimmy Butler, when he was drafted and he went to the Chicago Bulls, Tom Thibodeau was there. He developed him from a defensive player to an offensive player. Now he's a two-way player, one of the best two-way players in the league. I'm not saying Ananope is Jimmy Butler, but he reminds me of uh, a younger version of Jimmy Butler. So I'm interested to see how this is going to work. And this team, defensively, With Ananobi, and if they could get Mitchell Robinson back before the season's over, which I'm hearing that he could be back for the playoffs, that says a lot about where this team could go throughout the playoffs because if you get Mitchell Robinson back, you have your paint guy. You have a guy that could defend the paint and maybe not go after a big man because maybe now that you're hearing Mitchell Robinson coming back, Why would you go after a big man? You could wait until the offseason. Maybe Minnesota just chokes at the end of the season or chokes in the playoffs and they say, you know what? We're not going any further with Cat. Let's trade him in the offseason. And then the Knicks have the money to spend
1: and they have the draft stock. To get him! And they still have a high upside Quentin Grimes to trade. So why would they just waste it in this kind of deal for a guy that's just really a role player? Bruce Brown is a good six-man. Bogdanovich is a shooter. That's not much else besides that for upside perspective for somebody like Grimes that has a lot of upside. Speaking of the Knicks, their game is just started, and uh, we have somebody that's going to give us a little bit of the scoop on that.
0: This is the Sports Loudmouth Sports Minute.
4: Are you ready to get loud?
5: With Tommy Scoops. Everybody welcome welcome to another sports minute with tommy scoops here for the latest scoop college football news miami tight end cam mccormick has been granted his ninth year of eligibility for the upcoming college football season which i'm gonna be honest i didn't even know that was possible it does look like this guy was plagued with a lot of injuries in his career so he's coming back for his ninth season in the college football season and in nfl news As Errol Marks over here mentioned earlier, Bill Belichick actually just got his second interview with the Falcons. And with the second interview, most likely means that things will be getting wrapped up there. We shall see within the coming weeks as Mike Vrabel, former Titans head coach also went to the Chargers to go meet up with the coaching position over there. Cliff Kingsbury also interviewed with the Chicago Bears offensive coordinator position as he looks to regain a job within the NFL. Mike Tomlin also was expected to be kept this uh, this next season and is expected to get an off-season contract extension as reported by Art Rooney. So that's the second. In NBA news, the Warriors actually postponed their second game of the in a row at, in wake of Dejan Miljevic, who is the assistant coach that just passed away yesterday after a heart attack. The Warriors were actually scheduled to first the Mavs, but that will be postponed till a later date. And now time for scoops to scores, where right now, At about 10 o'clock, we have the the New York Rangers about to seek their third victory in a row against the defending Stanley Cup champions, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. In NBA scores, my New York Knicks just actually tipped off against the Washington Wizards, looking to get their third win in a row, currently up 14-8 with Julius Randle leading the lead with 10 points. The Bulls and Raptors also just tipped off, with three games expected to tip off in the next hour, and... With that being said, I will send it back over to the boys for the next segment.
0: This is the Sports Loudmouth.
2: We are back, ladies and gentlemen. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I'm your host, Darryl Marks. My co-host, Speedy PD. Go to our website at www. Dot worldwide sports com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loudmouth with me and Speedy PD every single – well, I was going to about to say Saturday, but uh, we are on Saturday, by the way, the Weekend Crunch, but every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. All you have to do to tune in and check out our local listing of all our shows is you go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Tommy Scoops, this is one of his first uh, sports reports, so he'll get better. Uh, very happy to have him on in, uh, you know – Practice makes perfect, as we always say. Speedy, uh, how are you doing today? Are you are you feeling good? Are you feeling relaxed?
1: Is everything good with you? I don't know about relaxed. You look
2: like you're tensed.
1: You, you really do. I don't know about relaxed. I, I'm getting a uh, tailspin in eating eating animals and fighting with animals at the beginning of the show. So. Well, uh, are you eating animals? Or, do you like beef? I do like beef. Uh, what kind of beef are you
2: going to have tonight when we go to Applebee's? I don't know. Do you like beef? I do like beef. But what what kind of beef do you I like? don't know if I'm going to get D- beef. You like? <laughs> if you want beef, I can give you beef. I'm gonna get beef where I want to get beef if I care about getting beef. But do you want beef? Is I don't it... need it from another. Do you like person? it thick or do you like it long? Depends on the mood. So, so you'd rather long. Depends on the mood. All right. So, depending on the mood, ladies and gentlemen, Speedy likes his beef. Oh man, it's. Oh, you like that, Speedy? Sure it was really good right it there it was very elaborate it, it was it was very elaborate uh in just a few uh, a few i would say in an hour we uh, we will be talking to mlb outfielder and current dodgers professional scout greg Galson. he'll be joining us and at 9:30 we'll be talking to former vikings and jets linebacker aaron henderson uh as well so we're looking to get aaron on the show as well uh so let's uh let's get into this uh wonderful story about nick seriani because it uh Uh, Well, it's definitely a story that stands out for all you uh, Eagle fans. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reports that a team source told him their locker room really lost the identity of the team. He also added that he expects Nick Ceriani to stay as a head coach, but changes will be coming for the coaching staff. Offensive coordinator Brian Johnson has interviewed for two head coaching positions so far with the Falcons and the Panthers. CBS Sports' Jeff Kerr reports that the Eagles players have stuck up for Sirianni, including Fletcher Cox, Jalen Hurts, and now retired Jason Kelsey. When he was ruled out for the playoff game, AJ Brown deleted all Eagles related information off his social media. After starting 10 and 1, the Eagles only won 1 game in the rest of the season and finished with a point differential of only plus 5. First of all, after the game, Jalen Hurts did not seem very very happy. Okay? And I understand now he's sticking up for Nick Ceriani because he knows Nick Seriani's job is up for grabs. And Fletcher Cox, I, he didn't sound very happy at the end of the game either when he was interviewed. So now he's changing his thoughts. A.J. Brown is definitely not happy with Nick Ceriani. And I believe, and I'll say this again, Lamar Jackson could have played in the playoffs last year against the Bengals. He was hurt, supposedly, but he wasn't going to play in the playoff game because he did not get his contract, and he wasn't going to put his body on the line for any team. A.J. Brown right now is coming off an injury. I think it was a concussion, if I'm not mistaken. And A.J. Brown was not going to put his body on the line in the first wild card game uh, for the Eagles in a very long time because the Eagles have won their division. For the last few seasons, the first wild card game A.J. Brown has played as an Eagle, he said, You know what? I don't want to play in this game. He could have passed. I don't believe A.J. Brown was hurt enough where he could not show up and play in that game. And not having A.J. Brown in that offense absolutely affected them big time. Absolutely and when you would you depend on one wide receiver in smith who had a sensational game he was unbelievable he was all over the place but no offense they couldn't run the ball and let's be honest the Buccaneers knew what they were going to do. They were going to use a lot of Swift and a lot of that Gainwell, and they, they were going to use their, try to use the running game to open it up for Smith. It didn't work out. They shut down the running game, and they knew that Jalen Hurts had to air the ball out. Jalen Hurts' game is not about throwing the ball. It's about using his legs. When they shut down the the, the running game for Jalen Hurts and that running run, those running backs, then they knew they were one-dimensional. All they had to do was double-team, Smith and Smith still had a good game, but there was nobody else. Goddard was horrible, and he's been horrible all season long. Yep. Garter Goddard, Goddard was a high draft pick, and and we thought, but you know, in in the last couple of years, his development was definitely going to take a big step but it hasn't it's taken steps back and losing AJ Brown they had nobody to fill in that spot that was going to help offensively and that secondary especially in the second half of the season was absolutely disgusting and and Darius Slay getting hurt he could that could be career ending i don't know if it's if it's career ending
1: but you will not see Darius Slay on the Philadelphia Eagles next year And again, you also look at the coordinators, too. Like, that makes a difference when it comes to Brian Johnson getting a head coaching job. That already helps the Eagles' case of, let's get the offense better. And we talked about it yesterday with Dable. Like, Nick Sirianni was a lot of the same tension with Brian Dable in terms of switching off play calling. Calling it, oh, Brian Johnson's going to call plays. Now I'm going to call plays. And that kind of thing affected them. And once Nick Sirianni wasn't just the team culture guy, the guy that the players liked, then all of a sudden you look at... These guys turning on him, and A.J. Brown, who was never a diva wide receiver in the past, too. He was always a very humble star. Like, this is the first year where we've really seen A.J. Brown have these kinds of issues. Yeah, he had a sour ending with the Titans a little bit, but the Titans really didn't give him any help. Like, they, they got rid of Corey Davis. They had Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback. Derrick Henry was the really the only offensive star that they had. And I look at the playoff game, too. Like, you knew they were going to run the ball because DeAndre Swift had a great game the first time they played against the Buccaneers. All of a sudden, they you know get a going to game plan? Why are you not adjusting for it? Well, Todd
2: Bowles also is a very good defensive mind. Yeah. And, and Todd Bowles knows and understands how the, how the Eagles were going to run their offense. And one of the main reasons why they were running their offense and and they were going to run with the running game was because their wide receiving core was not fully there. They knew that A.J. Brown was their playmaker. A.J. Brown was a top three wide receiver. When we speak about who was one, two, and three this year at the wide receiver position, mm-hmm. I would say that A.J. Brown was the second best wide receiver in football. He was that good this year. And that says a lot about who he is. And when he is not playing in a big game, and, and I I'm telling you right now, if A.J. Brown didn't have such a beef with Nick Sirianni, I bet you he plays in that game. Mm -hmm. I bet you he plays in that game. And it might have been a different score. It might have been a different game. One player can make a difference, especially when you're opening up the field. You're opening up one side of the field and giving Smith an opportunity to run. Maybe Goddard's more open. Maybe he can make more catches. And that running game could open up as well. And maybe Jalen Hurts wasn't pressured as much as he was, uh, you know, in, in the pocket early in the game. So, there was a lot of mistakes by the Eagles, and that has a lot to do with Nick Sirianni's coaching ability. And and that has a lot to do with his coaches that he brought in after two coaches decided to go and take their coaching jobs in Arizona and in, 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 in Indianapolis. So yeah.
1: and Brian Johnson, too. You look at the development of Hurts initially, he did well with it. And then after that, it was just a train wreck for him because you look at him not even running Jalen Hurts a lot this year either. That hurt him. That's a big reason he was an MVP candidate in 2022. Shane Steichen actually used him in that RPO-type system, and they started to take it away. I've seen these Eagles fans on Twitter, including our friend Brian Drake that we've had on the show many times, complain about, how many screens do they use? It's just, like, it's crazy. Like It it got so predictable to the point where even the Giants defense, even the Cardinals defense that are so bad were figuring it out, and that's why they're losing to so many good teams, in addition to the defense, which was just a bit abysmal, and you're Darius Slay, I think, will return to Detroit or something like that. He'll be on his way out at some point because that team does not know how to coach defense at this point when they don't have a pass rush. I was saying with the Browns yesterday, but it's even worse with the Eagles. And Nick Sariani is an offensive coordinator. That's what he is, and and that's where he came from. He came from Indianapolis.
2: So, And I'm, I'm not surprised when you're hearing A.J. Brown not like what Nick Ceriani is doing on the sidelines. And, and I've said this about Nick. Nick is a good guy. Everything that we've heard, we've heard different people. We even, we, we even one of our guys that might be joining our show very soon. And Smith says he's a nice guy, but he's a yes-man type of coach. He's not much of a leader. He's not that leader type of coach where you're going to follow him when it comes to, if you need to go into quicksand and you need your team to work out of the quicksand, he's not the kind of guy that's going to lead that team outside of, you know, out of the quicksand and get the whole team out of quicksand. If If he's sinking, he's going to take everybody with him. And that's... That's Nick Ceriani right now. He is taking the team with him. This is a very talented team. They made some good moves at the trade deadline. They brought, and off of waivers, they brought Shaq Leonard in. Shaq Leonard is an all-pro type of linebacker with the with the Colts. He became available. You would bring him in. You brought Briard in, who was actually a Tennessee Titan All-Pro player for a couple of years. And, and and you bring this kind of talent, and you can't win a game against a Buccaneer team that shouldn't have been there this year, that shouldn't have won the division this year. So, I, again, I have to give Baker Mayfield a lot of credit. I have to give Todd Bowles a lot of credit for defending that offense, but it wasn't much of an offense. And Nick Seriani, honestly, Instead of, you know, flashing your wings on the sidelines and pretending that you're flying like an eagle, okay? And that's been a a big problem of Nick Seriani over the last two seasons, over there with the Philadelphia Eagles. You didn't win anything. You didn't win anything. You didn't win the Super Bowl last year. You had a chance to. You choked against Kansas City. That's what you did. You choked. Your secondary choked in that game in the fourth quarter. Pastor passers didn't have a sack. That's right. And that has a lot to do with your coaching. That's the truth. And then this year when you were, I think it was I think you guys were 8 and 0 or 7 and 0 after I I don't remember what team you were playing against but you win that game and you blow them out you were flapping your wings on the sidelines like an eagle <laughs> showing off and trying to trying to express yourself how about being humble? How about being that way? Because you want to know something when you're in your own stadium and you have fans, or you have your own fans holding up "Get rid of Sirianni" <laughs> in the you know, out there in the crowd, and, and, and saying that Nick sucks, and having chance that Nick, Sirianni sucks throughout certain games it says a lot about what your fan base
1: thinks of you. Yeah, the, there were Eagles fans with bags on their head in that game, that Buccaneers game, and I think one guy even threw popcorn at him at the end of the game. It tells you how quickly the Philly fans can turn on you, too. We talk about it all the time with New York media. Like, New York media, it can be overreacting. Same kind of thing with Philly fans. They've, they're the same kind of way, and you're seeing it all season long. Like, I was making the joke with one of our guests that one of uh, I've seen on Twitter, like, Eagles fans can think they have the best record of the NFL and want to fire everybody at the same time. Isn't it crazy? The <laughs> NFC East right now, the Cowboys, this could be Mike
2: McCarthy's last year. Just think about it. Yep. This could be Mike McCarthy's last year. He's probably the best coach in this division right sure. now. And he was 12-5, and five and people are running him out for Bill Belichick. Okay, just Hold on. Nick Ceriani, <laughs> who should have been fired at the end of the season, and he's probably going to keep his job because certain players are sticking all of a sudden sticking up for him. But your best player, or arguably your second best player right now, doesn't even want to play for you. He, he pretty much pushed away your te- your social media accounts yeah. because you don't want anything to do with the Eagles. The Giants, with the whole Brian Dable situation, how long is that going to last uh, as all the coaching staff, is, is they're going to rebuild the coaching staff because half the coaches decided to part ways with them. And then there's the commanders that are still looking for a coach. There is not one coach that I believe... That might have a job after next season. That's <laughs>
1: crazy in the in NFC East to think that. Mike McCarthy is like the one that you have some kind of stability with, just because Dak. Not likes really, him. but Jerry Jones. I mean, yeah, he loves him. One more. Loyal, so. year, the only
2: reason why he's yeah. bringing
1: back it, the only reason why he's bringing back Mike McCarthy is
2: because he has one more year left on his contract, and Bill Belichick had no interest to in going there. Yeah, that's and- the only reason why. And he, Mike McCarthy, would be the best player of the, the best coach available if he became available in in the free agency coach market. So why would he get rid of a guy that he has control over for one more year? That's the only reason why. Would you want Mike Vrabel over Mike McCarthy? Probably not. Not right now. Maybe if Mike McCarthy fails, maybe you're bringing a Mike Vrabel. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, there could be somebody else that becomes available next year uh, if if a team doesn't play well. But right now, it's pretty scary or, uh, you know... I I wouldn't even call it scary. It's It's back to the
1: old crappy NFC East. (laughs)
2: I'm questioning where these teams are going when it comes to the coaching staffs. Really? The commanders, again, they don't know. They've interviewed a couple of jobs, a a couple of players, a couple of coaches for the job. There's no guarantees that any of those coaches are going to want that job. And by the way, Bill Belichick didn't even go for the interview over there. He mm-hmm. didn't even interview for that job. So where where are they going? They're going for an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator that's never coached a team before, yeah. or maybe you just give it to Eric Bieniemy. That's what I think they should do. He's a guy that help help Sam Howell, uh, you know, recreate his quarterback play uh, after being drafted as as low as he has. Yeah, fifth round. Yeah, and and maybe uh, you move forward with a Sam Howell and you draft. A wide receiver, another wide receiver over there, like a Marvin Harrison Jr. And and then give you give Sam Howell more weapons. I don't know, but there is no guarantees that any one of the top three teams in this division are going to have these coaches at the end of next season.
1: Right. We talk about the priorities with any head coach first and why some of these coordinators being too stubborn with their team, it doesn't work out. And we talked about yesterday with Brian Dable. Like, he got angry with other coaches. We're blaming them, throwing them under the bus. Wink Martindale especially. And what does he do? He steps away. Four other coaches step away. The Eagles are going to probably have to go through that same kind of thing. And it's actually kind of lucky that Brian Johnson is, for some reason, getting head coaching jobs. I don't know what he did this year to deserve a head coaching job. I know he did well in the previous year as the quarterback coach, but still, what did he do this Year to warrant that the Falcons are going to take him over Bill Belichick or are going to take him over Jim Harbaugh. The Panthers, maybe they're stuck with him because I don't know who's going to want to go there, but still, that, that might be a blessing in disguise for them. But I don't see anyone else in this coaching staff, maybe besides some position coaches, staying at this point.
2: The New York Post, Brian Lewis reports that the Nets have expressed interest in Hawks point guard DeJounte Murray. Lewis added that the Nets would likely trade Spencer Dinwiddie in a potential trade, as well as some young players like Cam Thomas and multiple first-round draft picks. Another report mentioned that the Nets will definitely not trade Mikael Bridges in any deal at the trade deadline. ESPN reports that the Lakers are looking for an upgrade at the point guard position and are also interested in Murray. Reports say that the Lakers are completely out on Zach Levine and could look at either Tyrus Jones or Colin Saxton if they can't get Murray. The Lakers say they will not move Austin Reeves in any potential deal for Murray. The 76ers and the Heat are reportedly completely out on trading for Murray. And the reason why I think the Heat are out, because they're obviously going after Donovan Mitchell. I, I do believe that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Donovan Mitchell is the guy that the Knicks are going to bring in because we have not heard Donovan Mitchell's name being brought up at any point in the last two weeks. So the Knicks and obviously the Nets are looking to make a move that could take them over the top. Now, if you, if you get DeJounte Murray, does that give the Nets an opportunity to be a contender in the playoffs this year? No. I, I don't. I, I, if I were the Nets, I don't trade Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas is a player that you found in the draft that could be a star in this league, and you're going to just part ways with him because you want DeJounte Murray. And and by the way, DeJounte Murray is a good point guard, and he puts up great numbers. But if he was that great, why did the San Antonio Spurs decide to part ways with him? How about that? You're going to bring in another personality where you have guys like Ben Simmons there, (laughs) and Mikel Bridges, he's a good player. He's a great player. He, he's His contract is up after next year. He's a free agent. He's going to be 29-30 when he becomes a free agent. Where do you think he's going to want to go? His three best friends are playing for the New York Knicks in Hart, Bronson, and DiVincenzo. G- G- All three of those guys played with him in college ball. So where do you think Mikael Bridges is going to want to go If he becomes a free agent and I know the Nets are going to do everything they can to resign him in the offseason, but he might say, you know what? I want to wait. I want to go to my free agency and I want to see what's going to be out there because obviously, you know, where, where he's going to be heading. So I don't know why the Nets are going to be willing to trade away first round draft picks. Haven't they done enough (laughs) in trading away first round draft picks over the years? And, and Mark's. He's made a lot of mistakes over the last couple of years. A lot of mistakes. Bringing Kevin Durant, bringing in Kyrie Irvin, bringing in James Harden, giving up all those draft players and those draft stock of players in Houston. Houston is, is singing to the promised land right now because they could be lottery picks, okay? And, and the Nets, they finally get first-round draft picks for the Kevin Durant trade, and what are they going to do? They're going to trade them away for DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray! This isn't Donovan Mitchell. And by the way, they know they have no chance at Donovan Mitchell
1: because he doesn't want to play for them. And again, they also need size, too. They need more size than the Knicks do, and the Knicks have all their size is injured. And there's no point in going after another guard for that reason. They have enough scoring power. The Nets have a good offensive team. Like you were saying, Cam Thomas is doing very well. Mikhail Bridges, he might, yeah, right, he might not stay there long term, but he's doing well. And that's what you have to build on in the scoring aspect. Basketball now is a lot of not as much position-specific if you have talent on your team. And... Point guard is one of those positions. Yeah, it's hard to find a good one, and same kind of thing with the center position. That's as well rounded as Dejounte Murray because he's a balanced player. He's not. He doesn't really have a significant flaw in his game. But at the same time, the Nets don't need that kind of thing right now. The Nets, you're right. They're dumb enough to maybe do that kind of thing if they want to trade all these first round picks away because they just traded a first round pick for Royce O'Neal of all players. But still, they also just took in Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons has played six games all year. They're not really building an ideal team culture. Why would Dejounte Murray want to stay there long term, even if they do trade for him? Uh, I don't understand it. Uh, but again,
2: Dejounte Murray is going to get a max contract, and and the Nets will be able to give him a max contract. Sure, and that not a super max contract because he's not he's not uh, what does he have to be second a, all NBA second player. all N, 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 NBA player, and he's not a second all NBA player, so he's not going to get a super max contract. But he'll get a he'll get a max contract, and, right. and 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 if it's not the Nets, he'll get the most from the Nets because the Nets have control of him, but. Uh, how much is it going to lose? 25, 30 million? So yeah. I, I don't think it's a big deal to to Dejounte Murray if if he decides not to stay with the Nets. And that's why I think the Nets should hold back and not trade away any draft stock. They made a lot of mistakes over the last couple of years doing that, and it put them te- put their set their team back and put their team in a really bad position. And that had a lot to do with Marks because Marks did exactly what Mister King did, <laughs> and and traded away their future. Their future at one point, was very good. And they had a great coach there yep. who now is the assistant coach of a Golden State Warrior team that's
1: falling apart themselves. And again, you also look at the Lakers, too. Like I don't think it really makes sense for them either because the Lakers have two point guards that are decent, D'Angelo Russell and Dennis Schroeder on their team. They have LeBron, obviously. And there's no guarantee LeBron is going to stay there either. So DeJounte Murray, if you're going to make a long-term commitment to the Lakers, if, say, the Lakers trade for him and they trade Hachimura on a couple of draft picks or whatever because they're not trading Reeves do you trust LeBron to want to stay there? Do you trust Anthony Davis to want to stay there? And DeJounte Murray, I don't know if you could necessarily believe that kind of thing because you're, you're talking about with the Spurs. Like, he played with the Spurs when the Spurs were on their downfall. Kawhi Leonard had that one big season in uh, 2017 before he got hurt. They went to the Western Conference Finals. I think that was Murray's rookie year. And since then, the Spurs have been just mediocre at best and the last two years were horrible. So, he knows he wants to win now. Fly like an eagle to the sea. You like that? Yes, that was actually very good. I don't, I don't I don't know if it's a good it's impersonation horrible. to the song. Well, yeah, but you you gave it a little a uh, little bit of a metal twist there. You think I could sing? Do you think I can add a little bit of tune
2: to my voice and 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 become a, a hit singer? What do you think? I think you could. Uh, get out of your mind. I I, I would be the worst singer. I would be the worst singer. I wouldn't. I wouldn't, know. I wouldn't you, be. The you want me to try that. to sing a song right now? Uh, you should we bring back your classic one? Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> Maybe another day. I don't want to scare anybody away. Right. <laughs> Strowman says he and Cashman hashed out their past beef during the contract talks mm-hmm. uh, this past week. So, and I don't know if you know the story. Uh, a couple of years ago, in 2019. Cashman said we were interested in Stroman, but we didn't think he would be a difference maker, Cashman said, to Yahoo Sports in 2019. We felt he would be in our bullpen in the postseason. That pissed off, obviously, a very up-and-coming or whatever, a, 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 a pitcher that wanted to be a Yankee, grew up a Yankee fan, and uh, it pissed him off, and uh, he didn't want to be a Yankee. He, it, there was a there was a lot of conversations about that. But you want to know something? Marcus Stroman still has a lot to prove. He's thirty two years old. He's a right handed pitcher. He's playing in Yankee Stadium. He is a he's a, a ground ball type of pitcher, which is good for Yankee Stadium. That's what the Yankees like is ground ball pitchers. Problem with him is he, he's injury prone, and this has been a problem for the Yankees pitching staff for years. Is that their starting rotation cannot stay healthy. As we saw Carlos Rodon, they gave him money that last year. He was one of the better left-handed pitchers that were available in a very long time. They gave it to him, and now Blake Snell. I, I do believe the Yankees will seal the deal with Blake Snell. There, there, there's a reason why Blake Snell has not signed with another team. I think they're still negotiating with the Yankees, and I. that's why I think he believes he is going to go. But... Marcus Stroman is a different personality. We saw him with the Mets. He didn't get along with some of the guys uh, in the locker room we've heard. He didn't get along with certain coaches on (laughs) on the roster. So that's that's something that the Yankees needed to look at before they decided to sign Stroman. They get him on a very good team-friendly contract. Uh, The third-year option only goes if he pitches 140 innings. Uh, in the third, in, in his in his second year, so the Yankees are put in a very good position because they still they still could go after a big name pitcher and, and another left handed pitcher. And it gives them three pitchers that are lefties in their starting rotation. So, And that's something in Yankee Stadium that the Yankees have not... First of all, it's something in the Yankees' rotation they haven't had in a very long time. Yep. I, I would say since the 90s. And something that the Yankees need in their rotation in the
1: playoffs. Yeah, and again, you also look at somebody like Stroman, who... I think depth-wise really helps that rotation. And a lot of his injury issues, I know he was hurt at the end of the, uh, the season last year with the Cubs, but most of his injury issues came earlier in his career, too. And I think that's a, a track record you could trust a little more than some of the other pitchers they brought in. Remember, they tried to bring in James Paxton, how injury-prone he was, and he really never pitched much for the Yankees. Same kind of thing when they tr- uh, signed free agency Zach Britton as a reliever. Like, he had some injury issues at the end of his Orioles career, and they didn't really take that into account. And I think that kind of thing helps. Now, it's interesting with Snell, too. I saw a report that he wants 250 million dollars he's not getting that. I don't think he's gonna get it either at this point but he also said that the Yankees were so far off in their first contract but he's willing to go to them again because other teams were giving him about the same thing and it seems like the West Coast thing that I thought might have affected them, I thought the Giants or even the Dodgers before they went in for after Glass now would have gone after them. It doesn't seem like that's going to be a thing to the Blake Snell. I don't
2: think the Yankees are going to give him 250. I can no. see the Yankees giving him 2 million. 200 million. Yep. He's worth 200 million, but here's the problem with Blake Snell. Over the years he's had injury prone problems too. Yep. So uh, that's something that the Yankees have to worry about. Look at Carlos Rodon. They gave him 27 million a year. He they signed him to a 6-year deal and look, his first year he barely pitched and when he did pitch he played, he pitched like lit like crap so the yankees need uh consistent rotation rotation pitching. And now you, you look at the Marcus Stroman thing. Marcus Stroman can be consistent. He was good in the first half of the season for the Chicago Cubs yep. and then fell off, maybe because of injury. Maybe his calf wasn't 100% healthy. I don't know what it was. And it's interesting with the Brian Cashman thing because Brian Cashman has had problems with players over the years, including his own players, and <laughs> Derek Jeter. When he went to the Hall of Fame, Brian Cashman went to his Hall of Fame uh, inductee, and he actually talked to. He pulled Derek Jeter to the side. I watched the Derek Jeter documentary with ESPN. I've watched it, and and Derek Jeter said they had to rehash and 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 hash out. Uh, the, the stuff that he had and what he had problems with with Brian Cashman when he was trying to negotiate his final deal with the Yankees and hash out some of the things that was said behind Derek Jeter's back by the Yankees organization because of Brian Cashman. And Brian Cashman has had that problem with players of his own and players in the league. Some players don't want to play for the Yankees because of Brian Cashman. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing about Brian Cashman. You say whatever you want about Brian Cashman and what he is as a as a, a GM for an organization. Brian Cashman has had over 35 straight uh, winning seasons, which is most in any professional sport in history. That says a lot about who he is as a GM and what George Steinberger thought of him when he decided to name him as the GM of the future for the New York Yankees. And he has been there for a significant amount of time. He's worked for the Yankees organization. And a lot of the GMs, a lot of these different GMs or, or executives or, or assistant GMs have come from Brian Cashman's you know repertoire and have become successful GMs in the league. So you say whatever you want about Brian Cashman that the Yankees haven't won a championship in 14 years. It really doesn't matter. What stands out for the Yankees, what stands out for what the this organization is known for is winning. And if you can win and have a winning season, that says a lot about the organization, even if
1: you're not winning World Series. Yeah, and you also look at that kind of connection with Brian Cashman and Marcus Stroman too. It's good that Brian Cashman is trying to establish that kind of thing after all the stuff that happened with the win- meetings and the comments he made about Giancarlo Stanton and all that, too. It's good that they have a player relationship that they can trust now with somebody like Marcus Stroman. Now, Marcus Stroman, we don't know what he's going to be because he has been inconsistent year to year. He's fallen off in the second half a lot. And again, I do worry about that kind of thing in Yankee Stadium, the type of pitcher that he is. But at the same time, it's a player that definitely wants to be there, and it's a player that still could lure other pitchers there, too. He, Even though he's not respected by a lot of these coaches and he's not respected by a lot of these organizations, he's actually had good connections with a lot of his Veteran teammates. Now, we were talking about the issue uh, yesterday with yep. the issue with the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. with some of their rookie players, that he wasn't uh, getting along with them when he first came up in 2014. And that team, like, got good overnight, too. He wasn't
2: getting along with a lot of the Met players, too. Yeah, and
1: the, no, I, I know the, Met, the Mets had a weird trajectory with everything, because outside of Pete Alonso, that team had no leadership whatsoever. And they had managers that loved to do stupid things off the field. They had Luis Rojas, who didn't know what he was doing when it came to player relationships, either. And they had GMs that had uh, off-the-field issues as well. So uh, the Mets are just... Uh, dysfunctional mess on its own. I'm not going to make that independent of Marcus Stroman, but the Blue Jays, they built a good team with those trades, the big trades for Donaldson and big trades for Tulowitzki, and they built a team very well overnight, but Stroman, who was a younger player, really didn't get along with them, so that kind of thing is gone. But the Yankees, and also with the Cubs last year, they kind of established that kind of thing quickly, and it's good for Cashman to be able to make that kind of move as well. And I think Cashman knows
2: knows what he's looking for and knows where this team could be this year if they add a guy like Blake Snell and what they did with Marcus Stroman. They gave themselves some depth and that's something that the Yankees have not had over the years and, and and look, they had Domingo Haman, they had all these other guys and it didn't work and as they decided last year to move King to the starting rotation, why did they do that? Because they didn't have enough depth in their, in their pitching and starting rotation and they had to move King from the bullpen into the starting rotation. Now this year, if you add Marcus Stroman, you added Marcus Stroman, now you add maybe a Blake Snell now you have enough uh, for the rotation. If there's an injury here or an injury there, the rotation, if they have four good, dominant pitchers, and they could bring a pitcher, a young pitcher, of their from their farm system up for their number five, or maybe even a Schmidt could turn out to be a third or a second starter. Because I remember when Schmidt was drafted, everybody said he has the kind of stuff that could be your second starter mm-hmm. in your rotation. He really hasn't developed into that, but hey, he pitched very well in the second half last year, and hopefully Schmidt is starting to figure things out as a young pitcher. And maybe that was one of the reasons why the Yankees decided to keep him.
1: Yeah, especially uh, what happened last year with Carlos Rodon, too. They really can't afford to make that kind of mistake with any of these other pitchers, too. These guys that are injury-prone as well. Now, Strowman, like I said, his injuries have come more in his career, but that same kind of thing was with Rodon, too, and they still misdiagnosed it, mismanaged it, whatever it took, because Rodon, they brought him back early, then he had all those back issues, and then he never was the same this season, and I think he will bounce back. Now, Marcus Strowman is that same kind of thing. Most of his injuries are nagging injuries, nothing really significant, but they still have to manage it that same way, and if the Yankees don't do that, they're going to have those same kind of problems where you're forcing Clark Schmidt or these other types of young pitchers, the ones they didn't trade in the Soto deal, that to be in roles that they're not comfortable with. And we were talking about it with Jabba Chamberlain, too. Jabba Chamberlain was saying how Brian Cashman and this regime with the Yankees made these pitchers pitch in roles that are very uncomfortable for mm-hmm. them. And I think that affected a lot of their developments. And if they can't manage it properly with Stroman or even any other starter they bring, if they do bring in Snell or somebody else like that or they make a trade, then all of a sudden you're going to have that same problem.
2: Former Arizona Cardinals coach Cliff Kingsbury is expected to interview for the Chicago Bears offensive coordinator opening Sources say and sources told by ESPN's Adam Scheffner on Thursday. Kingsbury is the ninth known candidate the Bears have requested to interview, joining a list of including Shane Waldron, uh, Greg Olson, Clint Kubiak, Liam Cohen, Cohn, uh, Greg Roman, Thomas Brown, Marcus Brady, and and Zach Robinson. The Bears fired former offensive coordinator Luke Getze and four members of the offensive staff January 10th and began their search for replacing uh, the offensive coordinator. Chicago ranked second in rushing, but... 27th in passing offense in 2023. I think it's a great hire if they bring in Cliff Kingsbury. First of all, if you bring in a Caleb Williams, which more than likely, even if you don't bring in Caleb Williams, and you bring Justin Fields, I think Cliff Kingsbury is a great offensive coordinator, especially for young quarterbacks and developing young quarterbacks, as you saw what he did for Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes praises Cliff Kingsbury, saying that if it wasn't for Cliff, he wouldn't be the quarterback he is today. He also helped Baker Mayfield develop. So this is a guy that knows how to develop young quarterbacks. And maybe if you bring in a Cliff Kingsbury, you decide, hey, Cliff says I could fix uh, a guy like Justin Fields. You can hold off on drafting a quarterback at one, trade out of that pick, get a significant amount of chunk change of first round draft picks in the future for the
1: Chicago Bears organization. You still have that number nine pick where you can get yourself another wide receiver. And again, you also look at the offensive coordinators that are really hooked to this position, whether it's because of Fields or because of this number one pick. That's a nice list that they got there, too. I actually was advocating for Greg Roman to be their head coach a while ago when he was having success with the Ravens, and he had success with the 49ers, obviously with Kaepernick. When they first drafted Fields and uh, the whole Nagy thing didn't work out, I was actually advocating for him to be a head coach. I think he would be a great fit if they decided to keep Fields. And same kind of thing with Shane Waldron, too, as the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. He helped really rebirth Geno Smith last year. Now, this year he wasn't as good. He had some turnover issues, but a lot of that had to do with Geno Smith. Smith dealing with injuries. Now, it's interesting if Cliff Kingsbury comes there, if they do either keep Fields, like you were saying, a lot of the quarterbacks that he's coached, including Kyler Murray, are like that, or if they draft Caleb Williams. Because remember, Cl- Cliff Kingsbury was on that USC coaching staff for a little while after he had that whole Thailand retreat. Yeah. and I, <laughs> that's why I think Caleb Williams could be a guy that they they could be looking at at number one.
2: But again, Justin Fields can be fixed. And I don't think they're they're far off with winning with Justin Fields. If they give themselves another... Wide receiver. I think a guy uh, from Was- – the kid from Washington, Dunze. Mm-hmm. I think he would be perfect on the other side yep. – uh, with a guy like Moore. I, I think they need another weapon. And and I they have weapons. They need a running game, too, because they have no number one running back after giving up David Montgomery, who yep. went to the Lions, who had a really good season as their number two guy behind Gibbs in the second half of the season. So I, I sit here today, and I, I think Cliff Kingsbury is the best pick. And this, this is a good list of, of offensive coordinators. Even Greg Olson, who's never been an offensive coordinator. He's a good broadcaster, by the way. He does yes. a very good job for Fox Sports. And a lot of people took shots at Greg Olson two years ago and he did the Super Bowl last year so I I think he's I I think he could be a good offensive coordinator maybe a head coach I know he was interested in the Carolina job when it became available I don't know if they're going to interview him but as an offensive he needs to prove himself as an offensive coordinator And, and remember he was a successful tight end in the league and Cliff Kingsbury I, I think he's a very good offensive coordinator. I really do. I don't know if he's a head coach, but he's a very good offensive coordinator. He knows how to develop quarterbacks, like I was saying just a little bit, uh, a little while ago. I think he could figure it out what what's going on with Justin Fields. And if it's not Justin Fields, Caleb Williams would be a nice fit. And he knows Caleb Williams very, very well, a nice fit to combine him with Cliff Kingsbury on their mutual way into the new season. So. It's going to be very, very interesting with Cliff Kingsbury. I think it's a. if it happens, it's a great hire. I,
1: I think out of all these guys, I hired Cliff Kingsbury. Now, speaking of uh, Chicago Bears, our chi- uh, childhood Chicago Bears fan, Wes, as well as Chaz, has arrived. But first, before we do to that, we go to our friend, Mr. Tommy Scoops.
0: This is the Sports Loudmouth Sports Minute. Are you ready to get loud? With Tommy Scoops. Go, go.
5: More college football news currently developing. As Washington quarterback Austin Mack just transferred to Alabama to join his former head coach, Kalen DeBoer, where Kalen DeBoer actually just announced as well, he will be hiring Wisconsin safeties coach and co-defensive coordinator Colin Hitzler to join his staff over there in Alabama, so getting some pieces together he's getting a a lot of people did leave after the transfer portal after Nick Saban leaving so hopefully things are looking well for Kellen DeBoer very good coach over there so hopefully things are looking well in NFL news Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy who was actually confirmed to be staying with the team just yesterday expressed in his press conference today saying he wants the t- everybody and the fans to buy into us as his as his mission is to buy a champion win a championship for the team where they're not setting a great you know, look, Mike McCarthy, so you might have to work on that some, come next year. Josh Allen exactly expressed how excited he is to be playing back-to-back playoff games and against a rival in the Kansas City Chiefs, where he hasn't done too much. He hasn't played very well. Well, he's played very well against the Chiefs in the playoffs, but looks to gain his first victory against the Chiefs in Patrick Mahomes. Now, for scoops of scores, the Bulls and Raptors are actually uh, at the halftime, with the Bulls up 63-58. to 58. And leading scorer on the Raptors being Vucevic, I'm sorry, on the Red Bulls being Vucevic and Kemar DeRozan. The Wizards and Knicks are actually about ahead into the halftime, with the Knicks actually up 42 to 41 late in the in the second quarter, with Jalen Brunson being the leading scorer with 14 points. There's two other games to be kicked off within the next few hours, but however, I will send it back over to the sports junkies for this next segment called Let's Parlay.
0: This is the Sports Loud Mouth. Speedy's bringing it
2: back. Chazzy, he's back, ladies and gentlemen, from Brazil. Sick and ready to rock. But let's parlay. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loud Mouth with me and Speedy PD every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. All you have to do to tune in and check out our local listings is go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You're listening to the Sports Loud Mouth. I am the Loud Mouth. I am Errol Marks. There's two guys. One guy that looks like he has a nice set of white hair and the other one that doesn't have hair at his all. Like, he doesn't have hair, any any bit on his head. Yeah, just think
6: when West packs to go to Vegas next year for our trip? He'll, uh, you want me to pack a brush? Well,
2: there you go. Uh, so we call this segment. Let's parlay. Parlay, ole ole ole,
0: parlay, It's time for Let's Parlay. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no Derek
2: Mountaineer. He's not here tonight. Uh, we don't have Johnny Reno. Uh, hopefully he's not getting drunk or driving or doing anything crazy, as we all know he likes to do. No, he doesn't like to drive drunk, but he likes to drink. You know, he likes to drink. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, we have Chazzy. He's back. He's not sick. He's not in Brazil. He's not hanging out with the fishies. He's not hanging out with the lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. And we have World Wide West. What
4: is going on, boys?
6: I haven't seen Wes in a while. How
4: you doing, buddy? It's been a while, my friend. I mean, we've talked, and we haven't seen each other's faces, though. I told
6: Speedy I'm just here for the for the ball
2: busting. I'm not here. <laughs> I don't, well, you, you listen. If you want to you want a ball bust, I mean, Speedy, I, I brought up the rhinoceros balls last. Oh God, yeah, yesterday. Okay, and... but, but before
1: we start, the us I better have them go around. What are
6: the records
1: going? You're right now 27 and 12 with one push, and Wes, you went it's three and one seven. as you usually did last week.
6: How's that, Wes? <laughs> Bad
1: for an old guy huh no what is what is Wes's record Rec- Wes's overall record is 43 and 28 that's pretty good <laughs> How about uh, Johnny Reno? What is he? Eating? Reno Johnny is forty eight thirty five and one. I, like I said, Chaz, you, you weren't here for the last time, or not the last time. He was on last week too, but uh, the time he was uh, going to the Alamo Bowl, that he actually was in the uh, tailgate uh, doing his picks uh, with a lot of uh, drinking in him. He was so, very unlucky though; he missed two covers by like half a point each. That was pretty. And amazing.
2: by the way, Worldwide West was there too, but he didn't want. He did not want to come on because he was a little too drunk. But. <laughs>
6: well, it changed. It changed. Changes the party when you got to talk to somebody. There's no doubt about that.
2: (laughs) Oh, man.
6: So here's what I know I know that um, I talked to somebody about these games, and there's some good quarterbacks on the field this weekend, Wes, huh?
4: There is. And it's, uh, you know, you got Mahomes and Josh Allen and CJ all day. It's uh, it's it's gonna. It, this is gonna be a fun weekend. Here. All right,
2: so I I'm gonna I'm going to make my picks. I'm going to go with all four games, uh, and and we'll do that after. Obviously, after our guests, we'll we'll go over it again, and I'll maybe I'll let Speedy uh do you know make his picks, but why don't we go through it? Uh, as uh, I know you have your picks for the weekend, I will do my football picks, and uh, we go from there. Are you guys ready? Are you ready, Wes? All right, let's hit it. Wes, give us your first pick.
4: You know, I, I'm, I'm all NFL this week, and it's just the college games that I like. Uh, it turns of basketball are a little further out, there. so uh, this one, there's there's a handful of team totals that I like. Rather than pick the, the actual games, I got a couple of team totals, so I'm going to go to Houston and Baltimore. And Houston is is statistically very good against the rush, which is. Baltimore's strength on offense, I realize that Lamar is playing good ball and he he, he, you can't say enough good things about what Lamar is doing and how that pass game has developed this season under a new O.C. But when I look at this game and I look at what Houston was able to do against a very similar defense in terms of quality, in fact, statistically, uh, Cleveland is is almost identical to Baltimore. Um, Houston, in the first half, the team total is seven and a half, and it's paying plus money. It's paying plus one ten. I like Houston for some money line to actually win this game, let alone cover a point spread. So in order to do that, seven and a half for the first half is the play I'm given here. And we'll score more than seven and a half in the first half.
2: All right. His first play. All right. I'm I'm gonna go with the Houston and Baltimore Ravens game. I'm actually gonna go with a play in this game that Right now, Gus Edwards is a plus 550 first touchdown score. I'm gonna go with Gus Edwards as the first touchdown score for the Baltimore Ravens. I, I I do believe Baltimore will get on that on that second or third yard line and he he will punch it in. So I'm gonna go with Gus Edwards as the first touchdown for the Baltimore Ravens. In game number one of the week or the weekend for the NFL divisional games,
6: I gotta chime in here that Wes, I had a, a run where I kept betting the over for the Texans, and then Shroud got hurt. Right, he missed a game or two, and I and I was talking to the guys on the other show, and, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming other people will pick up the slack, and they've scored 20 points every single time, every
4: time. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think Baltimore is going to run the ball a lot in this game with Lamar Jackson. Gus Edwards is going to touch the ball a lot in this game. It's going to be the question is, is this Houston Texan team going to be able to defend it? And with the offensive line playing the way it has this season against very good defensive lines, it, this is a veteran offensive line. It's a veteran team that's played very well this year. And they're going to spread the ball out. And I think they're going to run the ball a significant amount in this game and pound it on this Texan team. They're a young Texan defense that, uh, you know, a little wet behind the ears. So I, I think Gus Edwards will score the first touchdown in this game for the Baltimore Ravens. All right. Mr. World Wide West, give us your second pick.
4: Did Chaz give his pick? He's not giving, He's any, not giving picks. any picks. No. I'm just chiming it. Um... You know, the, the next one, I'm gonna, I'm just going to jump all the way to the last game of the weekend. I'm going to go to Kansas City and Baltimore. Uh, you call me a homer, call me whatever you want. But my <laughs> prediction on the Chiefs last week was, the I believe it was the first half, 12 and a half over. We got that almost exactly as called for. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to go back to that game and I'm not going to touch the first half of over nine and a half because there's no value. It's a minus 165, and that's just too much juice to give up. But I am going to take the piece over 21 and a half for the game. If they're going to have any shot of winning this game, they're going to have to score more than 21 points, and their defense is going to have to show up. So the cold does not face the Chiefs. Their defense will, if they're going to win the game, their defense is going to have to take the ball away and possibly put some points up. I realize how hot. Buffalo has been and how trustworthy Josh Allen has been with the ball over the course of the last six, seven games. They've been in playoff mode and, and they, 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 they've they done well for themselves. And now my homeboys the So <laughs> Chiefs over 21 and a half game total for the team. My second pick uh,
2: will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Detroit Lions. Uh, right now, uh, it looks like the number is a plus 6.5. Uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think this game is going to be very close. I think the Buccaneers will keep it close because of the defense. The Detroit Lions will keep it close. I'm going to I'm gonna go plus 6.5, uh, which is a minus 108 with the Buccaneers. I have the Detroit Lions winning the game, but I think they'll keep it close. So I'm going to go plus 6.5 with the Buccaneers.
6: You know, one thing, guys, that I have is that, that easy sports data. Capture every single line from every single game so I have the playoffs all the way back to 2012 and it's funny because I got this big page of Kansas City playoff game data and then I have this very short page of Kansas City away (laughs) playoff data because they haven't played on the road at all but listen to this this leads back to Wes's um play for the game in their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven overall playoff games. They've scored more than 21 points.
2: Hmm. Well, I think Kansas City is going to score in this game, and I think Buffalo will score in this game. This is going to be back and forth, and that's going to be my third pick, by the way. But all right, Worldwide Wide West, give us your third pick.
4: So I'm going to take Green Bay in plus nine and a half. I don't think what they did to Dallas is Dallas melting down. I think that, that Dallas was out coached. They were out tough. They came in with the right game plan, punching them in the face, running the ball early. Their defense was opportunistic. Yeah, you can blame Dak for giving the ball away, but Green Bay's players were where they needed to be. It has been weeks, almost a month since San Francisco has played football with any meaning at all. There is going to be some rust. I'm not saying Green Bay wins this game, although they're capable of it. Uh, what they just did to Dallas, again, I think is more about Green Bay and less about Dallas, and so much in the media is being made of the Dallas meltdown, and it should be. But Green Bay showed up and played ball, and they got a, it was a near-perfect quarterback rating for mm-hmm. uh, Jordan Love. They have receivers that are so young. And so talented, you don't know which one to game plan for. Their running game can can perform. So I, I really like Green Bay in this game. They got a shot to win. I don't think they will, but nine and a half is is too many. And some of these games, the heavy money doesn't look like it's come in yet because when I'm looking at line movement, these lines have pretty much stayed the same. And there's you know certain games. This one in particular. Uh, it's it's 50-50 right down the middle in terms of where the tickets are which means there's no heavy money on either side because it opened at 9.5 and and it's staying at 9.5 I think as we inch closer to kickoff probably on Saturday we're going to see a a, a big hit of of wager on one side or another and I'm Regardless of where it goes, I like taking points in this scenario. Um, San Francisco just hasn't played real ball in in a long time. I'm going to go into the
2: Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills game. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Obviously, in Buffalo, everybody thinks both teams. uh, Buffalo is a good defensive team. They've been one of the better defensive teams in the league in the last five, six games of the season. They were pretty good uh, against some of the better teams in the league, and and they they shut down Miami at the end of the season as well. So I, I think that Buffalo... Going into this game, they didn't look very good last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They really didn't. Pittsburgh had a chance at one point to to get back into the game with two backup quarterbacks. I I mean, they didn't even have their number one guy. And is their number one guy really a number one guy? I mean, so uh, Kansas City obviously has Patrick Mahomes. This is a team that could put up points. We saw what Rice did. Uh, last week against Miami, we also saw what Travis Kelsey could do, drop the ball. And then when he needs to make a, you know, a catch here and there, he will. I don't think Travis Kelsey will have as bad a game back-to-back days and back-to-back weeks in the playoffs. I think he's going to put up good points this week. I, I would expect I, – I would bet on this, even though it's not my pick, that Travis Kelsey scores in this game at least one time. But the over-under, that's where I'm going to go. Right now it's 45-and-a-half. Uh, I'm going to bet that it's going to be over 50 in this game. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Both teams are very good defensively, but I think both – and we saw this last time when they played against each other in the playoffs. They went to overtime. It was the high-flying game, and and it was the Josh Allen rule where, where now you know if you score a touchdown in the playoffs uh, in the overtime, you get a chance to bring the ball down as well to try to score. So I, I do believe this will be high-scoring. I, I would think that – I, I would say 55 or even 60 points will be scored in this game, and I, it could go to overtime. Um, so I'm going to go with the over-under over 45 and a half.
6: All right, so let me chime in on both of those plays. Hey, Wes, do you remember when I went and started my run? I got that uh, free money from Bovada, and we went on the weekend. We went on the bachelor sure weekend up to L.A. That night, that night game, San Francisco whacked Dallas. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, that was the last time they covered at home. It's been three months.
4: <laughs> wow. So there
6: you go. And they're given nine and a half. As far as the underplay, yeah. Listen to this, uh, Errol. In terms of the uh, Buffalo, I, I mentioned Kansas City scoring in the playoffs. You know, Buffalo's got a pretty good uh, record there, of playoffs games. Remember, when we print these out, some of these teams, like Detroit, they're the last time. First of all, they had no, they had no home data. For home games, because I've only been doing this for twelve or thirteen years, not thirty. But um, Buffalo, one, two, three, four, five games of the six playoff games that they played recently have gone. They've gone uh, over twenty-four points. So uh, that's your forty-five right there.
2: All right, Wes, give us your parlay pick
4: of the night. So I'm going. I'm going back to the first game that I called out, which was Houston and Baltimore, and. I, you know, I, I listen to a lot of a lot of gentlemen like like yourself, Errol, and, and sports talk radio, and all the opinions that are out there. I, I really can't get enough of it. I don't know why, um, John Harbaugh gets a pass for some of their early exits with some of these high seed, fantastic teams that they've had in the playoffs. Remember a couple of years ago they were they were going to win the Super Bowl and Tennessee mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. came in and whacked them.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, where and where did they finish in the playoffs last year? were they, they in the playoffs last they
1: lost in the
2: first round they lost in the first round against the Bengals cuz they had a third string quarterback playing cuz Lamar Jackson <laughs> so, decided hey you know what you're not paying me I'm not playing
4: well but if 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 we keep going back it just seems like they underachieve in the playoffs and John Harbaugh seems to get a pass for it while we we kill some of these other coaches for for you know the the 12 win season and then the early exit in the playoffs i like Houston I think D'Amico Ryans has got them playing such good ball that they're outplaying the quality of the players that they actually are. They they play great on defense. CJ is completely fearless. Their receivers are catching the ball. They're taking fearless shots down the field. This is way too many points, and I'm going to call this one out the same way that I did last week with Houston. I'm going to be placing 75 percent of my investment taking the nine and a half points and the other 25 percent of my investment is houston outright beating baltimore wow under john harbaugh have folded in some of these big moments and i think that some of their wins towards the end of the season this win against miami the quality of that win i think is a little bit overstated just because of how miami has, has demonstrated this ability to shrink against good opponents in, in big-time moments. Um, you know, San Francisco, we'll, we'll call it what it is. They they whacked San Francisco. But I I just feel like we overvalue Baltimore come this time of year, and John Harbaugh doesn't quite deliver ever since the Super Bowl. And that was 12 and Ray Lewis. There ain't no Ray Lewis in that locker. <laughs> so... So you got the Texans as your final parlay.
6: What is the money line?
4: The I'll tell you right now, because I just had it in front of me. Uh, the money line is plus three twenty-five. And and I'm again I'm gonna nibble on it and I'm gonna I'm gonna take the points. I love what they're gonna do in, in the first half. They are red hot right now.
2: All right. So my final pick is the Green Bay and 49ers game. And I have a couple of guys, and you can make a you can make a play and combine this as a pick. Christian McCaffrey will score in this game. Okay? I that that's a guarantee. Um Brandon Ayuk will score in this game. You can put that and you can you can seal that. You can seal that. And I'm going to predict, okay? Brock Purdy will run in a touchdown in this game. So all three guys will score in this game. I have Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, and Brock Purdy. Running in a touchdown in this game, seal it, deliver it. That's my big play right there, and I I, I think yeah, you can. Yeah, that's a big play. Who's a... <laughs> not gonna pay? West?
4: I, I'm pl- I'm plugging it in right now. I'm gonna <laughs> plug it in right play. now. You just did a parlay. I let's parlay. <laughs> that's right. That's So you went from four places to six places. That's right. So so C Mac scoring is minus two eighty. Mm-hmm. IU is is plus one forty and Brocktober is plus 600. There is no option on my site to multiple them. Oh. But, but it's, I'm, I'm my what guess is-, this, is it's, What site are you on? I'm on Bovada.
6: They won't let you parlay that?
4: They usually don't. Um, they, they usually offer their, their fixed parlays. Well, you gotta, um, I think,
6: don't you have to go, I think you, don't you go, cause I've done it on there, but you gotta go into props, I think, maybe. I don't
4: know. Let's see, prop builder.
6: <laughs> but that, uh, no, you know, so so we could do the math. Right? Plus, plus 140 and plus 600 pays a shitload, and minus 280 is McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. McCaffrey, really, you do with him you, to get any decent odds. You gotta, of course. you got to uh, say he's going to do two or more.
2: Yes. You know? Well, I, I'm going to start with that because I know Christian McCaffrey will score in this game. I, I, I'm going to tell you this right now. Brandon, Ayuk. you Will score in this game at least one time. Guarantee you he'll score in this game. And then it's I Brock. And then there's Brock Purdy, where he doesn't usually run touchdowns in, but I, I expect them to get at that, that one or two yard line, and I think they're going to just quarterback sneak with Brock Purdy for a touchdown in the game. So I'm going to predict that Brock a Purdy. Scenario. I'm sorry.
4: A tush push scenario. A tush
2: push <laughs> scenario. Yeah, I actually, believe.
6: I, I would think. To be honest with you. I, I could see him in for maybe the eight. Uh-huh. I don't think if I'm down at the one yard line, I'm giving. I'm not giving the ball to Christian McCaffrey. So, so
2: yeah, but that's what they're going the to expect, and 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 that's the thing. And and remember the the Packers defense, especially on small, you know, on on short downs last week, they stopped the Cowboys. So I I think they're going to absolutely dig, and that's why I think. You're going to see Brock Purdy score in this game because nobody's expecting it, and Brock Purdy is not a running quarterback. He's not. He, he's not a mobile so quarterback. Would you
6: agree, Wes, six plus, one is a little is lower than some guys, right?
4: So plus fifteen hundred yeah. is the payoff for that three way.
6: There you go. That'll throw a C note on that; that'll change your week.
4: Mm, boy, would it ever! But
2: I, that's what my, I was looking at the game, and I, I, I know I know Christian McCaffrey, and, and if something tells me. That Brock Purdy's going to score in this game because again nobody's going to expect it, and he's going to use his legs in this game. He'll have uh, one of these like small runs, five yard on the five yard line.
6: This is the biggest total of the week hmm. of the four games. Yes, so you're
4: so, Errol. You're you you're, you're also each uh-huh. you're also basically calling out the team total over with that because you're yes. calling for twenty one points yes. to start with. Yes. Right. Yep. So, so in that world,
6: because it's thirty to twenty, the team totals because thirty.
4: Because to I think, points, I think
2: that I, I do believe the 49ers are going to have a really big lead early, and then they'll go. I believe the Packers are going to get garbage time because I, I don't think the 49ers are. When, once they, but that's how you win a bet when you're getting nine and a half points. Right. You get a team that goes up 17,
6: they start, they start talking about, you know, who they're playing next week, and all of a sudden, the starter's got to come back on the field.
4: Mm-hmm. There is, the so there is no value on a Niners team total over. Is that 29 and a half? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, that's, you would think, if we didn't see, if, if we were able to unsee what Green Bay did last week, 29 and a half is... is not bad, but that feels disrespectful right now to a team that just marched into Dallas and dismantled them.
2: I, I will um, say this. I will say this. The Niners will have at least 21 on the board by the half, by the half. You know,
6: remember, Wes, you made a great comment that we haven't seen 49ers have to play a, a regular, a real football game that have had any value except for on the, on the scoreboard and in the columns because they were, they were just dominating and they did have what, a seven stretch. There were 30. They were scoring 30 every single time so you know what if you can They're turn it up that's the problem and, and you look at these quarterbacks you know you got the young kid playing Lamar well we you know I'm just waiting for Lamar to get hurt I wait for Lamar to screw up that's what I'm waiting for and it's because of all those memories you gave me that you're mentioning less with the the history and then you look at um, with the Green Bay San Francisco and these are two quarterbacks who you know how many games do they have under their belt? You know, we've done more uh, let's parlays than they've played games. You know, and you got Tampa Bay and Detroit, kind of the same thing. You know, and then Kansas City and Buffalo is a, is a rematch of, of the quarterback play we've seen. So I really think that you guys that are winning these bets or losing these bets, it is gonna it's gonna be all on the quarterback shoulder. You
2: know, absolutely, exactly. absolutely. Well, boys, we really appreciate you as always, Wes. We'll keep in touch. Uh, I have a lot to talk to you about, by the way. Uh, We'll we'll get in touch. And, uh, you know, I'm happy you're back. I mean, you got to put your mic up a little bit over there. I mean, it's... I
6: went over to my... I went over to the... the, uh, I put the headset on. I don't know if you noticed.
2: I I, I definitely see the headset on you, but it it doesn't... It's definitely a little bit low, so you'll have to fix that, but um, we're happy that you're back, Chaz. I mean, you've been gone for a while, man, enjoying Brazil with the Beautiful yeah, ladies over there. <laughs> to
6: COVID. Have you been to that place? <laughs>
2: yes, I have, actually. I had hip surgery. I had incredible. I had hip surgery about three years ago when COVID was really bad. I had the Delta. And I couldn't. Just imagine having, having COVID and not be able to walk with both your legs and have to go to the bathroom over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Try doing that. And then and then come and talk to me, okay? Because well, well, that, that's where you you, know, you throw the fucking pillows and
3: the comfort <laughs> on the ground in the bathroom.
2: <laughs> oh God, I I can't even tell you. And and by the way, I didn't sleep for like five days. I was yeah. I was so sick. I had fevers. It, it was the worst. That was when it was really at an all time like yeah. bad with, with the Delta, but. Hey, you know what? I I did lose a lot of weight. I think I lost like twenty five pounds when I when I had that. Yeah, so. yeah no, getting sick is good for dieting. <laughs>
6: <laughs> it's not really my preferred way to lose. I don't mind watching what I eat and
3: exercising. I prefer that. The
2: only thing I food. could eat at that time was Fig Newtons, and that's because I love Fig Newtons. That's the only thing I could look at and say, "Oh, I can eat that." You know. So I love Fig Newtons. I don't know what it is, but I I just I can eat like a whole sleeve, like right now. Within like, and I know Greg Golson is probably saying that sounds disgusting, but just imagine, you know, you have a nice sleeve right here while I'm, you know, doing my show. Could somebody yeah, give me a, of a guy, sleeve they're of thick Newtons? To
6: a guy who had- Somebody had gifted us a tin, one of those circle tins of Christmas cookies, mm-hmm. and my wife and I were both hunkering down with COVID, and she doesn't like Christmas cookies, so I had your, I had your big noons. They were just shaped like stars. Well, so, I, here's wow. the
2: thing: I, during Christmas, there's a thing called Feffa News. I don't know if you guys know what Feffa News are. They're a cookie with powder. I've been trying to find them. Amazon has them but they don't have them with the powder on it they have them with the 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 glaze on them and i just i bought them and it's not the same and i went to a shoprite and stop and shop and all these different you know uh, food markets over here in new york and i can't get them so i i was very pissed off this christmas because well, i enjoy why, you know, my right. I, News. i go to little italy and i go to the Italian bakery because, yeah. you know, you can
6: get all those seasonal... Because uh, they have it at Easter, they say Joe's Day, they have one, you know, for, for the, hell, the Italians have
3: Fourth of July pastries. You know?
2: Chaz, uh, Feffinu's is a German cookie. They won't be at the Italian place, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I've never heard of it. You've something. never heard of a Feffinu? No,
6: but, but all the ethnicities have the same little cookie with powder on it. And, and
2: you pop them Stop like it. They go in Stop and it. Stop it. Are like, you a oh, coffee I drinker? Should. I'm not a coffee drinker. Are you a coffee drinker? A coffee yeah, they, drinker? Are a you a coffee, coffee drinker? Coffee. Are you? You yeah. are. Yeah. So you would love your news. You dip uh, the... always be Always be cashing, fellas. Have a good night. <laughs> there he goes. Run away. <laughs> I love Wes. <laughs> yeah,
6: plus, you know, the other ones are, uh, what's what's the ones that have the, the, that are, like, curved? They look like half moons? Yes. Um, and is, that, and is that right? Yes, right? that's so, right. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the booze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Anisat's a
1: licorice booze. Yeah, it's something like that, though. Oh, um. man. The
6: I like booze.
2: That's right, my friends. We'll see you then. As
6: yeah, uh... I got him down. I'll
2: cover him. There you go. Let's parlay I with... Like, uh... I like that big 50 in the one parlay. What's... <laughs> i'm telling you it's it's right. going to cash baby trouble, it's going to cash i'm going to stay out of trouble all year but I, I was in a lot of trouble <laughs> over the weekend let me tell you man no. i had a terrible toronto vacation man yes i, I spoke about it yesterday i don't want to go too deep into it but i'm sure no. greg i we want to get greg in so why don't yes. we go to a quick break when we come back our friend uh, he's been on the show before twice and this will be number three we will be talking to former MLB outfielder and current Dodger professional scout, Greg Golson, here on the Sports Loudmouth.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouth. We are back, ladies and gentlemen.
2: 631-672-3108. You're listening to the sports, loudmouth. I, I like that, Speedy. The deep voice. Give me a deep voice, Speedy. You are listening to the sports, loudmouth. That is horrible. That is absolutely despicable. What are you trying to do here? Are you trying to scare trying to get somebody? Greg on? I, I, you're scary, man. It's a scary voice. Give me something deeper. Give me something deeper. I don't think I can. Oh my god, he's horrible. Oh. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including The Loud Mouth, which airs every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. with meet and Speedy PD. All you have to do to check out our local listings is go to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Let's parlay with Chaz and Wes. Hopefully my picks are winners for you, and you win some big buckaroos. But now a guy that's made a couple of buckaroos, maybe not as much as Garrett Cole or <laughs> Otani or I, I me. Mean, we can name another player that you just got, Yamamoto. We're now talking to former MLB outfielder and current Dodgers professional scout, Greg Golson. Greg, what's up, bud? What's going on, guys? How you guys doing? We're good, man. You must be doing pretty
7: well as your team is is deferring a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know I, I'm not mad at it I'll put it that way I, I like our chances this year <laughs>
2: well I like your chances too but uh, again there's a lot of questions with the coach the manager and uh, I want to see that I want to see this team at full, you know full force this year now Otani is not pitching this year, but Yamamoto will, and I think the addition of Yamamoto now that Otani will be out as far as pitching is concerned until next year until 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 two thousand twenty five uh, it's uh, it, it gives you that other pitcher and you have a bunch of pitchers coming back. Tell us your thoughts on obviously making the move and bringing Otani, and did you think that
7: landing Otani was going to Kind of like draw a guy like Yamamoto to come and sign with your team. I think, I think he wanted to, I mean, I, again, I'm speaking from speculation. I didn't talk to any of these guys, so I'm not trying to get in trouble here, but um, you know, I think, I think um, anytime you, you bring in a guy like Otani, that's going to attract other people because obviously everybody wants to win, but especially with Yamamoto being in Japan, I had heard that he had wanted to, you know, to, to team up with some other Japanese players. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's I think, you know, the Dodgers brand is big in Japan and it's going to be bigger, obviously. But I think, uh, you know, Otani obviously helped us kind of put our chips all in and, and get more players, I guess. So
1: talk about the process of deferring the money, because obviously we've seen teams do it when the contract does get bad with players. Like we've seen the Orioles do with Chris Davis, obviously the famous one with the Mets and Bobby Bonilla, but now they're doing it kind of in advance. And are you surprised like a lot lot of other teams haven't been able to take that on and talk about the process of the Dodgers doing it.
7: I mean, it was a shock for me as well. When I saw it, I mean, I mean, it's not like I'm in the contract negotiations and obviously with, uh, with Otani, it was, it was very behind, uh, you know, behind the, Closed doors type of thing. He didn't want anybody knowing what was going on, and I had heard that it was actually his idea to do it. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think there's uh, there's probably tax implications that go with it, uh, as far as you know when he collects the money. I think if he's living somewhere other than California, it's probably gonna be a little bit less of a tax hit for him. But uh, yeah, I think it's a uh, it's definitely interesting. I mean, if another team had done it, I don't think it would have gotten as much. <laughs> Uh, press because you know, I think we've done it with the three guys that we signed this year, but you know, I think it's uh, it's creative. I don't know how long it'll be allowed to continue, but you know, we got in there, I guess. <laughs>
2: <laughs> As everybody knows, we are talking to former MLB outfielder and, and current Dodgers professional scout, Greg Galson. You get Tyler Glass now before you landed Otani, before you landed. Yamamoto, you add a, a great pitcher in Tyler Glass now, a guy that's been injury-prone over there with Tampa. If you don't remember, I know you remember, but if any fan doesn't remember, he was traded a couple of years ago to Tampa from Pittsburgh and, and really transitioned and, and turned into the pitcher that maybe Pittsburgh couldn't develop or hasn't didn't develop in, in as fast as Tampa. And they've been known to be an organization to really develop pitchers. What were your thoughts of making the trade and prospects traded from the Los Angeles Dodgers? And I'm sure some of them, you know, who were the players that were traded for Tyler Glass now?
7: Pepio and DeLuca were both guys. that got a little bit of time with the big league team last year. Solid, solid prospects that, you know, I think DeLuca kind of uh, surprised everybody last year with uh, kind of how he came on the scene and did so well. Uh, I guess he had just kind of figured it out the year before and, you know, kind of forced his way into the conversation. Uh, Pepio was just kind of, you know, with uh, the names that we have in our rotation and on our pitching staff, it's kind of tough for young guys to kind of break in. And I think with uh, DeLuca being a righty, uh, we had we had plenty of, plenty of guys that were, you know, I guess had a little bit more experience. So I think uh, both of the guys that sent are probably going to start with the team. But mm-hmm. uh, they're it's a huge opportunity for them because obviously it's hard to get in every day as a, as a Dodger. I mean, we haven't really done that. Successfully until uh, I guess Outman. You know
2: they gave Tyler Glass. Now they extended him four years, 110 million, which is a great contract for uh, one of the. I, I believe when healthy, one of the top ten pitchers in baseball to give him a four year, 110 million dollar contract. It's a steal. After paying Yamamoto 325 million and Otani 700 million, you had to get a
7: deal, and you get one with Tyler Glass. Now, what are your thoughts with the deal that he got? I think it's awesome. I mean you know, it's a, it's a big market team. So you kind of got to pay a premium, especially coming into the Dodgers. Everyone knows that, you know, where we've got a little bit of money, I guess, uh, similar <laughs> with the Mets, you know, similar with New York, it's, it's like you go to a big market and you kind of have to pay a little bit more because you're the big market. But, you know, uh, I scouted uh Tyler Glasnow in uh, the 2020 world series. And, mm. you know, it, he's, he's not a, he's not an easy at bat. And as you saw, you know, we, we kind of, didn't do anything until he left the game so you know it's good to have him in the fold you know the four-year contract that's awesome because it's really kind of signifying we're going all in you we were we were quiet last year and I think we surprised a lot of people with our you know the success that we had last year yeah. um, and it made everyone have expectations that we were like a I mean I'm not going to say we weren't a contender because we won 100 games but you know, I, you know, going into last year, I didn't think that we would win 100 games. I'll mm. just put it that way. Yeah, you know, all the so, hype was on the Padres, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%, yeah. You know, the Padres, the Braves, obviously. Um, so, I think last year for us to, you know, be relatively quiet in the offseason and still do what we did, it just kind of, kind of shows the potential we have this year when we bring in those guys that are obviously – going to give us a boost
1: i want to go to yamamoto because his market was very tricky to decipher he was going to be 250 for a while then ever since 300 they're going to give him the 12-year deal and the dodgers strike it in with 325 like you scouting yamamoto as a pitcher like what you've what you know of his skill set would you have given him that kind of money obviously the dodgers did your organization did and what do you think the market value you know the answer to this he's not going to say no
2: (laughs) it's not going to throw his organization
7: under the bus you know the answer to this. <laughs> I think it's a great deal. I mean, you know, Yamamoto's a small guy, so, you know, his fastball plays up quite a bit, you know. Um, I think he's, you know, with with a lot of Asian pitchers, they're really good commanding the ball, you know. Um, you know, you saw him in the World Baseball Classic how did he, how well he went, how well he did. I think, I think it's uh, I mean, everyone's kind of anxious to see how he, uh, you know, adapts to the U.S. and, uh, you know, the competition that we'll have here, but you know we've, he's going to be pitching a little bit more frequently than he was over there. So there's a lot of question marks. But as far as what he what he did, you know, to earn it, I feel like everything has been warranted. I mean, you can't really can't really go cheap on a guy that that offers that much.
2: As everybody knows notice, we are talking to MLB outfielder, ex MLB outfielder, and current Dodgers professional scout, Greg Golson. You know, Greg, you look at the Dodgers right now, and with all the additions that they had. A lot of people would say they're the favorites coming out of the National League. But then you have the Braves that really just, I don't know what the heck they did in the playoffs. They choked... Uh, they didn't play very well, and, and a lot of people thought they were the favorites of coming out of the NL, and they're in the NL East. Uh, Philadelphia obviously could get better sometime this offseason. A couple of players, haters available still. Maybe the, he goes to the Dodgers. Maybe he goes to the Yankees. Maybe he goes to Atlanta. Atlanta hasn't really made any significant moves this offseason, but they have one of the best farm systems in baseball. Their rotation is as good as any rotation in baseball, and their lineup is as deadly in the middle of their lineup as they are uh, from eight nine and even at number one so where do you see and how do the dodgers match up against the atlanta braves going into this season
7: i mean that's a that's two juggernauts you know i mean and the braves they did get chris sale i mean that's a pretty big addition for them um I think... Uh, I don't you know, know about obviously.
2: that. I don't, The thing about Chris Sales is we don't know what we're going to get out of him. Is he going to stay healthy? Is he... I didn't even know if he was still alive. The guy disappeared <laughs> off the face of the earth. I mean,
1: seriously. Him and Noah Syndergaard were in hiding together. I, I
2: mean, I he he tears his uh, you know, his elbow. He disappears off the face of the earth for two years. He comes back in the middle of the year last year. He pitched okay, and then he gets traded and everybody says, oh, look, uh, they got Chris Sales. Oh, I, I I mean, we don't even know what Chris Sale is anymore. I mean, we I, re, I remember when Chris Hale was playing for the uh, – hold on. I, I always mess this up. They, he played for the Chicago, uh, the Chicago White Sox. I remember when he was playing for the Chicago White Sox and the way he threw the ball, and he always comes up to that low point to the high point. I always said, when's that elbow going to go? When's that elbow mm-hmm. going to go? He, he had a couple of good years with Boston, and then absolutely – Fell apart. I mean, and he, we haven't seen him. So everybody keeps saying Atlanta, oh, they got Chris Sale. I, again, I don't know what he is. So I know everybody's saying, well, they got Chris Sale. Let's see what he could do when he actually can pitch. So,
7: I mean, right. if you, if you look at, if you look at the Braves' history with veteran pitchers, they tend to, they tend to get the value that they, that they intended to get out of the, out of the player. I mean, you look at, uh, like Tyler Matzik. Uh-huh. i can't, i play with him in indie ball and like the turnaround that he had from indie ball to being with the braves is like i mean the guy was the best reliever in the in the postseason that year uh-huh. so i think um i think sale is a big addition not only just because of his track record but also i mean you even mentioned the lineup like once uh-huh. he got to hold of the team to four or five runs like <laughs> even if he's the worst version of Chris Sale ever was, he still could win twenty games with that lineup. That's true. So so it's like a I don't know, it's it's kinda like a you know, the rich get richer in that aspect in that like it kinda takes some of the I don't think Sale was worried about pressure, but it kinda takes the pressure off of him. They've got Strider, they've got all these guys that are you know, they're not asking Sale to go in there and complete games. So the you know, the lightened load could help him, you know, kinda thrive in my imagination.
1: Yeah, they've rebirthed pitchers that were not necessarily worse. They were still good pitchers, but like Charlie Morton, like came out of nowhere type thing. And even the relievers too. You were talking about uh, some of the relievers, Kenley Jansen. They rebirthed a little bit. Look then at more York, Ma- look Sox. at the season yeah. Matt Olson had this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: unbelievable season. I mean, they make a move, they bring Matt Olson. he becomes a super superstar. I mean, 54 home runs, 283, 139 RBIs. How many players over the last couple of years have hit over 139 RBIs? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable what, what they're doing right now. And that lineup is so good from top yeah. to bottom. One to nine is unbelievable.
1: They freed Matt Olson and Sean Murphy from that big ballpark in Oakland. Now they get home runs. <laughs> yeah.
2: Maybe yeah. they need to spank you, Speedy, you know?
1: I don't know how that would correlate with uh, hitting home runs. But... Well, I mean, they got good swings, and you might. Run. I know they have good swings. I'm not denying that. I'm a Mets fan. I've watched the Braves plenty of times, and I know they sure. kill the Mets. Right. Well,
2: there was a former third baseman that named one of his kids Shay. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for
1: knowing. I don't need to relive that. I, I, I got to heckle him once as a kid. And, of course, the Braves still won that game. I think the Mets are up 2-1 or 3-1 water, the seventh inning. And, of course, uh... their bullpen in 2007 or 2008, whatever year that was love to blow the lead all the time so, so. When,
2: when when somebody kills the mets again who, who's who, one of these guys are going to name their other kid city yeah sure why not
1: yeah the braves will have plenty of candidates for that with their uh very talented roster and now spencer strider you were talking about him greg he likes to run his mouth and uh, start instigating fights to Mets players too and uh stirring up a rivalry that the mets still haven't figured out yet <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of the big things at baseball this year was the uh, the rule changes. So obviously, the pitch clock being one of them. You being a hitter as well, I'm sure the, it affected a lot of these uh, hitters that like to spend times with their routines before they got out of the plate. What do you think? Of some of the rule changes this year, the stolen bases and stuff like that.
7: Um, you you speaking about the the rule changes, like the ones the, they were I'm in like, place
1: like, this year? Yeah, the, the pitch clock, the the I bigger mean, bases, stuff like that.
7: You know, I thought I thought going into it, I thought I was going to hate it. But I loved it, especially the pitch clock. The pitch clock was – I mean, I didn't really notice a difference. Like, some of the guys that take forever to get in the box or take forever to get on the mound and really – like, slowing the game down was a part of some pitchers, um, I guess, game plan. Like, runners would get on base and they would just – the game would grind to a halt because they've got to do everything so deliberately. And I used to hate that because it's like, man, that can't be your tactic. Like, just – just compete you know I think um the pitch clock was 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 nice I think the stolen base you know the the rules that they put on the stolen bases kind of I don't know it rubbed me the wrong way because stealing bases was hard when I played like it was hard because the catchers it was their job to shut down the running game and they could pick over anytime they wanted to but now like catchers are you know runners on base they've got one knee down they're trying to frame everything they're trying to bring everything back to the zone. Pitchers aren't really – you know, pitchers can only pick three times and, and if they do the third time they don't get them out, it's a balk. Like, to me, I, I'm not discrediting Acuna's year because he he he's a ridiculous talent, generational talent, if you want to say it. But that wouldn't have happened last – like, in 2022. Mm. Like, he wouldn't have had all those stolen bases. You know, like, it, it has an impact on the game. And, you know, if you think about – their lineup, like a lot of their guys had stolen base. Well, not a lot of their guys, but Acuna being on base made everyone else better, you know? So I think the the impact that the rule changes have had have been uh, like wildly successful for MLB because it's made the game more exciting, I guess, for especially casual fans. But as far as like all of the rule changes, I you know, I feel like at some point we're going to get to uh, – a point in the game where it's like, this is completely different than, you know, what, what it was. And the younger generation will have never known anything different. So, you know, their heroes are going to be better than our heroes type of thing. You know, like, you know, it's kind of starting already where like, I don't know, Babe Ruth, people think Babe Ruth is like a fat, you know, guy that couldn't play. Ridiculous. (laughs) And it's like, what are you talking about? Like he was hitting more home runs than the next two teams combined. The well, stadiums were twice the size yeah. at
2: that, that time. Yeah. He was the smashing the ball. Area. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. five hundred foot polo grounds. <laughs> yeah, no cork so, uh, in the uh, bat. I mean, the balls are not juiced. I mean, yeah. this guy's smacking the ball all over the field, and oh, he stinks. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. People are so. Yeah, so I just dumb.
7: I think I think the game I think the game needs the game needs heroes, and I think um, with a lot of the way like the like the amateur game right now is being you know, it's being super monetized. So a lot of people, a lot of amateurs are are going to these hitting gurus or these pitching gurus that are teaching this brand new way of doing things. And it's, and in, my, in my opinion, obviously, I'm, you know, a little old school, but in my opinion, it's ruining guys' careers, right. like ruining it. Like they, they get to a certain, um, you know, level and what worked at a previous level just isn't going to work at the next level because guys have better command or guys can Guys don't miss pitches. So, you know, a pitcher that can't throw strikes or a hitter that can't hit the high pitch, that's like, that's what is happening. Right now. So I think, I think there's going to be a point where there's like a leveling out or going back to what worked. Hmm. Very interesting.
2: We are talking to former MLB outfielder and current Dodgers professional scout, Greg Golson. He's been on the show before, friend of the show. We love him. Walker Bueller is the big name, a guy that everybody's going to go after next season. He's coming off an injury. He's, I still believe, the best pitcher right now on the Dodgers. When he is on, he is unhittable. He is Mm -hmm. that good of a pitcher. And after the Dodgers making the moves that they made uh, this offseason, Tyler Glass now paying him, Yamamoto, Otani will be in the rotation next year. I don't know if they're going to have any room, as far as money is concerned, unless they're deferring all that money uh, in Walker Bueller. I think there's going to be a line of teams interested in Walker Bueller if he comes back this year and has another good season. Tell us a little bit of what you know about Walker Bueller, and do you believe that the Dodgers could find a way to sign him,
7: honestly? I mean, I don't know. I mean, we've we spent a billion dollars this offseason.
3: <laughs> so, um, yeah,
7: thinking about next offseason is... I think it's going to depend on the year we have. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to depend on, you know, how healthy we are. Like losing Urias last year was huge,
3: mm-hmm.
7: like huge, and he was on a contract year too. So that that probably changes what we did this year because a lot of stuff became available. But I don't know. I mean, Walker is—he's like, one of our better pitchers. He's not the best pitcher in 2020. He came clutch, so. I don't know like it, it's going to be interesting to see I don't know who his agent is but that has a lot to do with as well
1: mm-hmm. So I want to ask about the uh, the teams that are younger now, really emerging this year, especially especially with the new playoff format. too. I think we saw a lot, heard a lot of the top teams, including the Dodgers. Unfortunately for you, but uh, the Diamondbacks obviously going to the World Series, the Orioles. Uh, do you think that's a new ripple effect where teams are going to try to get younger all at once and still like emerge quickly right away? Because we saw a lot of the older teams, like the Mets, my
7: Mets, who are an older team, struggle badly.
2: Of course, he has to bring up the Mets. I'm, I'm
1: bringing mind. him up struggling. <laughs>
2: I'm struggling yeah, is not the word. Bad, I think
7: <laughs> incentives help rookie. Makes his debut and he gets rookie of the year. You get another pick or something. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I think with the rules making the game more exciting, it's making the game. I don't know. Like back when the DH was just a big hitter, the game was a lot slower. That DH was taking up a roster, team and no one was strap bats. But now the DH kind of moved around as a resting. Look at the Reds in my coverage last year. They're so young. I saw all those guys the past three years. And it was like, man, these guys are really good ballpark, you know, cover up some of the hitting um, deficiencies that they might have. But I think the youth movement is just kind of something that kind of started when I got out of the game. They stopped giving guys that are, you know, over 30 opportunities in AAA. And instead, they're moving those guys to independent ball or international ball and giving younger guys more opportunities to get at that stage earlier. I think one rookie contract is way less than 300 million it's veteran guys, but I think it's just a problem of, you know, technology, analytics, and obviously teams trying to just kind of get cheaper while also staying competitive.
2: You know, before we let you go, uh, obviously the Yankees made some big moves. They, they trade for Soto. Uh, they're adding pitching. They added Marcus Stroman. I, I think it was a pretty good deal for the New York Yankees. Uh, adding Marcus Stroman, if he could just keep his mouth shut, it will be in really good shape. Blake Snell could be a Yankee in the next couple of weeks, maybe. I, I know the Yankees aren't offering him two hundred and fifty, which he thinks he's worth. Uh, but hey, if he can cut it down to two hundred, I think the Yankees will be in play. There's no question. Could you imagine talking about two hundred million dollars? I mean, seriously. Hey, you know, uh, spin the wheel, make the deal. Two hundred million. I'll take it. Sold. Yeah. But uh, who do you have going to the World Series this year? If you were to make a decision right now even without some of the moves, I mean, Hayter's still not. He could be going somewhere else. Blake Snell could be going to the Yankees or somewhere else. Who do you have? Just a quick prediction. Who do you have going to the World Series?
7: Well, I got to say Dodgers. Of obviously. course. In the American League, I see it. I don't know. The Rangers are good, man. Mm. They're really good. The rookie, what's the guy that came up Josh
1: Young. Josh Young.
7: No, 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 no. Oh, Evan Carter you're talking about? Carter. Yeah. Man, he was impressive. They got so many young... Good, controllable guys. They're an impressive team to watch. The Orioles, I see it as the Rangers-Orioles.
2: Wow, you, you don't have any faith in the New York Yankees, do you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's because he wants Juan <laughs>
2: Soto on the Dodgers. <laughs> Come on, you don't want to see the Dodgers and the Yankees in the World Series?
7: No. I mean, <laughs> I'll put it this way. like It's a tough time for New York teams if you look across the board. Ooh. I know you guys don't need to hear that. All
2: oh, those you know, shots Giants fired. Guys, by Greg hockey Golson. It's,
7: it's tough.
2: Hey, wait a second. Our hockey teams are playing pretty well.
1: <laughs> I don't know. The Islanders lost five to six. I'm not so sure about that.
2: It doesn't matter. They're playing pretty well. I mean, how about the Knicks? They're playing pretty good basketball.
1: <laughs> New York's being saved by the Knicks and the Rangers.
3: I don't no, sh- well, there I, you have it. I, and I of
7: course I think the NBA is better when the Knicks are good.
1: Yeah, of course. I think so too.
2: If you're a New York if you're a New York fan, you want to see the Knicks out of all the teams that can win a championship, you want to see the Knicks win. Because the yeah. This is the Mecca of basketball, yeah. as everybody yeah. says. Yeah, you know, hey, hey, listen, it hasn't been the Mecca of basketball since the '70s, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's true. I'm just true. telling the truth here. I mean, I, I would love to see, I would love to see the Knicks go to an NBA championship and maybe sneak in a win or two, and 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 maybe have one more year, and then uh will be a championship contender. I I don't think the Knicks have enough yet. I think they're a player or two away from being a contender, but hey, uh they're 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 playing good basketball and hopefully uh they pull out a win tonight and uh we'll there she blows. Anyways, uh <laughs> I can't say anything about my teams except uh, hopefully they play better. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm a Jet fan. I, it's enough. I mean, I I bleed oh. green, and I'm probably going to bleed it in other places. I don't want to say on live radios. So, <laughs> I and by the way, we're we're gonna have an ex Jet come on in just a few moments. So, uh, Greg, we really appreciate you. Keep up the good work. How are you and uh, your girl doing? I mean,
1: how's everything going over there?
7: Good, good. We had a we had a daughter. I don't know if you Congratulations. Congratulations. Ah, she's uh, she's beautiful terrified. Very nice. She stayed quiet the whole day, I don't mind. and it surprised me. I thought you guys were—I thought she was going to make an appearance.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she loves my voice. Okay, it, it's Probably, smooth.
7: Yeah. It's smooth. You know, Speedy, how do you like my voice?
1: Do I have a smooth? voice? Yes, you do. It it, it, it flows, right? Majestic.
2: Do you, do you think I could sing a
1: lullaby to the baby? I don't know. We we we, we tried to have you sing an hour ago. And I don't want work, to scare so. Greg away. I don't and know. And I, you're, his you're, wife might. You might be too loud for a something. lullaby. <laughs> I think you're a little too
2: loud for a lullaby. <laughs> I don't want her to choke me. She'd be like. Who the hell is that guy singing to my daughter? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Craig, keep up the good work. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Hey, right, thanks. Craig Golson. He's fantastic. He really is, as always. Uh, and he knows his uh his Dodger baseball. I can't believe he didn't put the Yankees up there. <laughs> I mean the Yankees added one soda. That outfield is dangerous. But again, hey, listen, there's a lot of Yankee haters out there. It's okay. It's okay. Hopefully. Uh, Hopefully the Yankee fans can keep it quiet. Don't throw throw anything at Verdugo this year. okay? (laughs) He's a Yankee, guys. Don't throw anything. Don't throw balls. I don't know what you'd throw. Don't throw anything at him. Just hope that he stays healthy, especially Juan Soto, because, uh, hey, Juan's going to make himself at least $700 million in the offseason, especially if he puts up a 50 and over 125 RBIs. Uh, Expect him to get... Big buckaroos, and the Yankees better open up their pockets. Maybe they learned something from the Dodgers, as we call them the defer-ers. That's what we call there them. There you go. The defer Do it together. We'll put the wave. Defers.
1: (laughs) Defers. And Greg just promptly laughed as we were doing that. I guess he's not a fan of the nickname, but he he did laugh, so he might be. (laughs)
2: That's the wave, everybody. Defers. Or maybe he's just anti the wave. Maybe that's what it
1: is. Perfect.
2: When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time on our show. We will be talking to former Vikings and Jets linebacker Aaron Henderson here
0: on the Sports Loudmouth. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouth.
2: Oh, little Tupac, baby. I'm not gonna rap for Aaron. I, I don't want to scare him away. First time on our show. 631-672-3108 is another call. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I am your Loudmouth, my co-host Speedy Petey. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the loudmouth, which airs every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. To tune in and listen to any one of our shows and stay tuned. By looking at our local listings by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. We were just speaking to uh, former MLB outfielder and current Dodgers professional scout Greg Golson. He's been on the show a couple of times, and uh, he's fantastic. For the first time on the other line... Uh, if you don't know who he is, he used to play with uh, obviously uh, the Vikings and the New York Jets. Linebacker played in the Todd Bowles era. Aaron Henderson. Aaron, what's up, my friend? What's going on, brother? How you feeling? We're good, man. Crazy time right now. It's NFL season. We have we have the playoffs going on right now. But uh, uh, obviously, uh, you haven't been in the NFL for a little while. How are you doing? What have you been doing since you've uh, retired from the NFL?
8: Gotten coaching for a little bit. Uh, took a break from that, it kind of take up a lot of time, but uh, I'm thinking about getting back into it though.
2: Oh, obviously, I mean, you're an ex NFL player, and you were pretty successful. You were in the you were in the league a pretty long time. I mean, if you look at from 2008 to 2016, played for the Jets. You played for that Todd Bowles team. Uh, I, I remember those Todd Bowles teams with Brendan Marshall and and Eric Decker. Uh, tell us a little bit about playing for Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles, he was a Super Bowl safety for Washington. And now with the Buccaneers, with uh, obviously Baker Mayfield and the talent that it has over there. Tell us a little bit about Todd Bowles and what was it like playing for Todd Bowles?
8: Uh, you know, I enjoyed my time with Coach Bowles. He was a player's coach for sure. Uh, took good care of us as long as we did what we were supposed to do and handled our end of the business. Um handed our end of the bargain, excuse me. And, you know, as far as practicing things like that goes, he made sure that we were prepared and, and tuned up and ready to go, but also, you know, healthy and ready to get out there and play. He allows you to go be a football player and, and put you in the best spots and the best positions to go out there and win. So I think that's what you see going on with them down there right now.
1: So you play a lot with interesting guys on that Jets team, a very interesting personalities, veteran guys. Darrell Rivas came back, obviously one of the best corners in NFL history. You had Antonio Cromartie over there and a lot of veteran defensive guys. Tell, tell us a little bit of those defensive players that you play with on the Jets and also some of the veterans on. Offense that strived that year?
8: You know, they were definitely characters. I think that's a great way to put it. Um, but I, I enjoyed playing with those guys. It was always a good time, uh, you know, to be had. We enjoyed ourselves on and off the field. You know, it was a good group of guys that, that, that really gelled together and meshed well together. I wish we could have had a different a different ending to that 2015 year because I think we were really on to something and we, we were getting hot at the right time. It just needed that, that one more game to get over the hump. But, you know, we played with a lot of talented guys and, uh, you know, to see like Rebus getting inducted to the Hall of Fame and, you know, I had some guys that I played with in Minnesota. And watching other guys, you know, who have their kids now coming into the league and performing well and, and, and playing at high levels, at all pro levels. Just amazing to see. A great journey was a great time. I think about 2015 a lot. I, I wish things would have going down a little bit different in Buffalo.
2: As everybody knows, we are talking to former Vikings and Jets linebacker Aaron Henderson. He played for the Vikings from 2008 to 2013, and then he played for the Jets from 15 to 16. Aaron, you look at the Jets right now. Aaron Rodgers got hurt within five minutes. The Jets practically lost the season. What do you think the Jets need to do in the offseason to make this team better? What do you believe the Jets need to do going into the offseason
8: that could change their season. I think the first thing would be the offensive line and addressing that. I didn't get a chance to to watch a lot of Jets football this year, but I know that they, they did some things well and, and were on track. And as far as their roster goes to, to being able to compete this year on paper, uh, unfortunately, things happen with Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, that's something that you have to address in the offseason, not only with him coming back, but, you know, who's going to be behind him, who's going to be the backup just in case you, you come into another situation like this. So I think those are the two big things. Uh, defensively, they're pretty sound, but you know, you can always get more depth, get faster. It's a speed league. So those are things that they have to address in off season. So we always say
1: that players playing in New York is always a wild card of how they're going to be able to handle the media, how they're going to be able to handle pressure, stuff like that. What was the experience like for you and a lot of those teammates coming in when you went into the Jets?
8: It was interesting at first because I was coming off and of not playing in 2014. So I was kind of a, a story that people wanted to, to catch up on and, and kind of hear from. But I kind of got overshadowed, which is a good thing because there were so many big names in the in the locker room, people that they wanted to do the interviews with and that they wanted to talk to about different things and wanted to get the sports bites. Uh, the soundbite. So for me, it was kind of like uh, handle the storm, so to speak, when I first got there, weather the storm, uh, and I think I did a pretty good job of that. Um, I think it's it's not as bad as people make it out to be, as long as you're taking care of what you got to take care of.
2: Aaron, you look at obviously the New York Jets. The Jets were expected to be one of the better teams in the AFC, and going into the season, like I said, they lost Aaron Rodgers. They they bring it. They bring back Zach Wilson. He takes over. After Aaron Rodgers went out in the first few minutes of the game, they had a chance to beat Kansas City. The referees called, choked them that game and then couldn't find a way to win in the close games that they had. They had one of the better defenses in the league. What do you think the Jets need to do in the offseason to make this offense more reliable?
8: I think having A-Rod back would be a big part if he's able to be healthy and get back out there again. I think they banked on that a lot going into the into the season, so that's something, like I said, that they need to address in the offseason is, is a backup plan and making sure that they have somebody there that's ready to go. I think another back back there with Brees Hall would be good. He's a dope running back going to do some good things in the league for a while to come. Having somebody to help him with the load back there always helps. But, you know, those, they're not far off. I think you, you've seen that this year um, they went out there they competed played tough against teams and, and a lot of a lot of people wrote them off and probably didn't think they would win the amount of games that they did it kind of stands to to where they where they are and where they've come as, a, as an organization the opportunity for them to go get better this offseason and come back next year and improve on what they've done so you
1: playing with the Vikings you played against Aaron Rodgers a lot and you got to see him as a young player really grow into the MVP that he became in that 2011 season so tell us a little bit about what it was like playing against Aaron Rodgers and those Packers team now what can you expect for him coming back from this injury?
8: Oh, it sucked, man. I hated playing against A. Rodgers, you know what I mean? Like It was it was never much fun playing against him. He's a hell of a quarterback, and he's really good at what he does, and he's only gotten better over time. He was able to manipulate the defense well with his eyes and move his feet when he needs to. Uh, still keeping his eyes downfield, could make any pro. Definitely us, a of the offense. I always, always admired him, respected him, and enjoyed going to, to battle against him. Who was the
2: toughest quarterback you played? I'm going to guess it's either Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, or Aaron Rodgers.
8: You're in the mix, but I think being out there on the field against Mike Vick was pretty wild. Really? It was when in his Philly days. When I was there in Minnesota, he was in Philly. Got a chance to, to, to be out there and see a live in action. He was he was tough to handle. There's a lot for a defense to have to deal with as far as the game plan goes and what you want to do and how you want to contain him and control him. Tom Brady is definitely a, a person that I had to catch up myself. Like, you know, it was, it was one of those uh, I'm out here against Tom Brady <laughs> moments. But, you know, next thing you know, he's calling my number because I'm the mic. So I'm like, oh, shit, snap out of it. You know, <laughs> you know, got to go play football now.
1: So you got to play with your brother, E.J. Henderson, a little older than you and for you playing with your brother, what was that like in your first couple of years with the Vikings?
8: Oh, it was amazing. He's he's six years older than me, so we never had a chance to play with each other. Prior to that, you know, we both went to Aberdeen High School, both went to <laughs> University of Maryland. We, uh, we missed each other uh, as far as time goes. So that was our first time being on the field together. Um, so to do it on a bigger stage and, and, and a story franchise like the Minnesota Vikings and to have opportunity to, to be the starting linebacker is a really cool thing to be a part of and, and one of those things that we'll be able to tell our kids about and we'll be able to tell their kids about one day too.
2: There is a running back that dominated the league for many many years and really stood out from all the rest, Adrian Peterson. What was it like playing with Adrian Peterson? What type of player was he in and out of the locker room?
8: It was electric being around him. You know, he, he had a feeling aura uh, about him. You know, it's almost like Michael Jordan walking into a building. The time so you know he's doing all the commercials he's got all he's got everything going and then you go watch him play football and it's just like poetry in motion Can't quick but he's also powerful as a bull too so it was always just fun to get out there and watch him um, to have the opportunity to compete against him every day at practice definitely helped me in my younger days especially because you know as a scout team player I'm going against, going against the first team offense every day so got a chance to test myself against the best and see what it looked like day in and day out I definitely love playing with AP for sure so you play
1: with one of the best defensive lines we've seen with the the two Williams Brothers. Uh, you later played with Jared Allen, who we were hearing a bunch of funny stories about a couple weeks ago with a different guest. What was that Vikings defense like over the years when you
8: played? I think we were pretty mean. You know, I think we, we had a we had a pretty nasty reputation about us. I think that, that people knew that even if they beat us, they was going to leave out the game feeling black and blue. It wasn't going to be a cakewalk. You was going to know you played in, and you got into a dogfight. But, you know, just being out there, especially being in the dome before they tore it down, like, I mean, it's 67,000 people, but it's right on top of you with no sound going out of it. So everything Things rocking as loud as as can possibly be on third down. And to be out there and share the field with those guys you know the Kevin Williams, the you know my brother Chad Greenway, Antoine Winfield um, Harrison Smith who's still out there doing it at a high level uh, Antoine Winfield, Brian Robinson I can sit here all day and name the guys that we played with and, and you know the talent that came through there that I had opportunity to learn from and, and grow with and, and go out there and compete with.
2: You played with another ex Green Bay quarterback in Brett Favre. What was it like playing with one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game?
8: Oh you know I grew up Brett Favre fans so I, I wore number. Before in high school and everything, played quarterback, huge Brett Favre guy. I just love the way that he went about his work and the way he played. He looked like he was having so much fun out there, but he also was a real person off the field too. You know, he had his issues, he had his problems, but he caught those and he overcame them. Was able to, to bounce back and continue on in his career and in his life. To have the opportunity to meet him, one of the few times I was probably starstruck in my life for sure. But he was cool as could be. You know, it would have been disappointing if I would have met him. He was a jerk, but he was a pretty cool dude. You know, got us all Wranglers too. So <laughs> that's out of Brett. Yeah. So
1: you being a lot- Linebacker the linebacker position has really changed a lot since uh, since you were playing. what do you think has been some of the significant changes we've seen in the game and some of the top linebackers, what do they emerge at today?
8: I think right now it's a it's a smaller it's a smaller linebacker. You got your your hybrid strong safety playing linebacker and I think it's a matter of time before offenses go back to the running game more and bring back fullbacks and, you know, as the counter punch to to the counterpunch that they threw before. So I think that it was kinda starting to happen towards the end of my career and I could feel it, you know the Jets brought in a, a first-rounder that was in that, that same realm, and I kind of tell, could tell that's where the game was going. It wasn't really my strong suit, but shit, I liked the way I played the game. I liked the way that the game was played when I was playing, so it is what it is. You adapt and you grow, and I guess, like I said, since I can't do it anymore, I was just getting the culture.
2: You mentioned Michael Vick. What would it have been like playing against these guys and defending against some of these guys in the league now?
8: We had a pretty good one that came through when I was coming through and Cam Newton I had a chance to play against him a couple times. It definitely adds another dimension to the game when you have a quarterback Quarterback that can move and can and can you know can get out the pocket and create with his feet? I think you're going to continue to see that trend within the league that with, with the with how fast the game is going and with the speed of it, uh quarterback's gonna to have to speed up too. So that pocket passer is gonna become rare to see, I guess you could say. You'll see more of the guys that can move around and can scramble, even if it is not to run and take off, but just to be able to keep up with the speed.
1: The grass versus turf debate has been something that a lot of these players have chimed in on. Cooper Cup started the trend last year, and it's been a kind of a ripple effect because of all these player injuries. Where did you prefer
8: as a player I prefer grass. That's what I grew up on. And I think there are certain benefits to, to playing on turf as well. You know, sometimes where, you know, the, the, the conditions can be tough or whatever if you put it, if you're playing in a, in a regular grass. But I think there is something about playing football on regular grass that it seems more natural and more the way that it should be and the way we grew up and what we're used to.
2: We are talking to former Vikings and Jets linebacker Aaron Henderson. Aaron, what type of coach do you want to be? College coach? Coach the linebackers? You want to be defense winning, Or do you eventually want to coach be a defensive coordinator in the NFL. What type of coach do you want to be moving forward in your career? Or in your- I think
8: – I think I got to decide what level first. And I think what level would decide what level of coaching I would want to do. So, like, if I was to go into the NFL, I think I would be good with being a linebacker coach. In college, maybe more with defensive coordinator kind of role, high school head coach, if that makes sense. No, oh, absolutely. And then
2: look at Jared Mayo, what he's doing right now. He takes over for Bill Belichick, one of the all time greats. So, why couldn't you do it? Why couldn't you uh, get a job as a linebacker coach? And and then become a defensive corner. Why couldn't you do that?
8: And nothing to say that I couldn't. And you know, I'm really proud of Mayo for what he's done. Um, I remember him, you know, being at the combine together, running our 40s and and talking and stuff. Uh, after he ran his 45, you know, and how excited he was. So, uh, been a, he been a, he's been a good guy. He's been solid throughout his, his my my time knowing him and you know watching him excel and have a great career out there in New England. Now to watch him take over the franchise is a dope thing to see.
1: So one of the things that's been hurting defensive players, a lot of these new rule changes, we know roughing the passer penalty has been really overblown for much of the year. And some of these other rule changes that really have benefited the offense. What are your thoughts as a defensive player on those things?
8: It sucks, but it is what it is. It kind of just, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, if those are the rules you have to abide by. Them. You can sit there and you can cry and complain about it. And, you know, hopefully if you, you know, hopefully the right people here, there maybe something changes. But as it is, you go out there and you play the game the way that they say you have to play it. I'm not oh. playing at this time, though, because I like my money. I would have got fined a lot.
2: <laughs> I like some good money, too, man. I mean, hey, if you're a betting man, we'll bet some money this weekend. We'll
8: win some money. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with that. (laughs) Just don't have the NFL
1: players do it or they might get suspended. That's true, too.
8: (laughs) I don't got to worry about it no more. That's true,
2: too. (laughs) You look at all the great things that's happened to you over the years. Is there a particular story that you can remember, funny story or a story that stood out from all the rest in your career?
8: I really had a good time. I really enjoyed my time. Coming up at the University of Maryland, living in College Park. You know, you're right down the street from D.C. So, you know, I, I had a good time, party quite a bit and enjoyed myself. One weekend, my brother came in town was doing spring ball. So, you know, we were, we're back at College Park and we go to D.C., Friday night we go out we have a good time you know we party we do what we do everything else we get back to the room about 3 30 4 o'clock in the morning I got to be up at 7 o'clock for meetings we got spring back we got a spring practice like a like the one before our spring game Saturday so everybody else still passed out knocked out sleep in the rooms and stuff so I got to get up and go to and go check in for meetings so I'm able to get there on time and get that get, make it through my meetings End up go out there and showing my ass the entire scrimmage, man. Like I think I had like twelve tackles. I'm talking cash shit wow. throughout, freezing and telling everybody what they can do and they can shove it and everything else. <laughs> and then I went home and crashed for the rest of the night. <laughs> hey,
2: man, if you could do that, I mean, why couldn't you be a head coach in the NFL? Yeah, hey,
8: that's probably why. You know, <laughs> that's probably why. Too many nights like that.
2: Too many nights like that. Hey, listen, I'm. I'm I've I've gone all over the world as a DJ. I've seen so much stuff. I can't even tell you. I've seen things that I can't really even speak about on live radio. So I, I know what you're talking about. And then I would have to get up the next morning and, and, and do it all over again at, at night. So... I know all about what you're
8: saying. You got to be able to take care of business, you know? Damn you, you, right. You do what you do, what you do and, you, you know, you have fun doing it, but you got to make sure you can take care of what you got to take care of, too.
2: Like Herm Edwards always said,
8: you play to win the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. As long as you win, it would be all right.
1: <laughs> well, it depends on what you're winning.
8: <laughs> True.
1: Or you could just simplify like our friend Rich Sorbert said, just win. <laughs> 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 so my last question uh, Super Bowl pick right now and what are your thoughts on the NFL playoffs
8: sticking at the hometown I think the Ravens is playing good ball right now I think they're playing the best ball right now at the right time I think San Fran comes out in the out of the NFC I'm, I'm really surprised at, at Houston I like what they've done out there I think they would have been able to get with Kansas City and Buffalo a little bit better but I think Baltimore is going to be a little too much for them
2: there you go Aaron Henderson I think you could do this I think you could be a radio guy
8: you bring your personality I've, I've, I've done I've done this already too. I've done my podcast and all that. I just be chilling, bro. I like my time.
2: Oh, I don't blame you. I
8: mean, you like the party, yeah, see, man. Even, 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 yeah, exactly. Even now, I got it. Y'all, y'all cutting into my party time. I'm sorry. Listen, know, I'm just messing with you, listen, you good,
2: listen, anytime you want to party out here in Long Island, I'll I'll show you around, take you out, and and you know introduce you to some beautiful ladies if you're still single,
8: my friend. Hey. hey. All right. I I'm with it.
2: I it. I'm going to hook you up man I'm not lying to you so I know a well, lot of beautiful well, y'all, ladies y'all, here we come That's right why not I mean you played for the Jets have you ever checked out Long Island
8: Shit I couldn't tell you Is there any strip clubs there <laughs>
2: There's a ton of them, my friend. A ton
8: of them. Uh, if, there, if, if if there's, you name something there, I'll tell you if I've been to them or not. That's probably <laughs> the only way out be at Long Island. <laughs> I love this guy. He's funny. <laughs> the only way man. you catch me I'll Oh, go.
2: Aaron, we really appreciate you joining us. And, and I know uh, you're a busy guy, and I, I'm taking out on your party time. So <laughs> go party, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. All right, for sure. it be easy, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Former right. New York Jet, former... Viking, our friend now, Aaron Henderson. He's fantastic. (laughs) Great personality. And, uh, hey, listen, man, uh, he likes to party. You've heard it. He likes to party. He likes to go out and enjoy himself. Who doesn't? And he likes to go to strip bars. (laughs) I mean, Speedy, you need to go to a strip bar. No, I don't. You need a lap dance, Speedy. No, I don't. You need a lap dance. You need somebody to give you a nice, beautiful lap dance. Not going to happen. Have you ever had a lap dance? I have not, no. So Why would I you would expect tr- me to have a lap dance? I, you, Hold on one second. You've never had a lap dance. You've never had somebody grind on you. No. I, let's hook you up, Speedy. I'm not being force-fed so you can watch it. <laughs> I'm not going to watch it. I can't go back there. But at least you'll have some fun and maybe get off on it for the first time in your complete life.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to manipulate it just for some agenda. That you hey, listen,
2: maybe, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take Aaron out and I'm going to take you out and I'm going to get you your first lap dance. How's that sound? Uh, I don't know. You need one. Okay. I mean, I would like
1: to, to. I would like to meet Aaron in person. I mean, he's, he's a great guy. Hold on guy one second. On so you would rather
2: meet Aaron than get a lap
1: dance? Is that what you're saying? Hey, he was a, he was a fun guy to have on the show. ex football player. That's, That's not my stories. question. That's not my great question. S- That's, question. Great stories. Funny That's guy. Not my question. I, I said, don't. I'm d- 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 d-
2: a vice for that was some random whatever. <laughs> what do you mean random whatever? A random woman? I mean, a random beautiful woman gives you a lap dance. You would rather meet. Aaron Henderson. I, yeah. He was a great guy to have on the show. I never said he wasn't a great guy. If Aaron if Aaron came out here right now and and I'm sure he's listening to it right now. And he said, "Hey, you know what? Let's go to a strip bar." But I can't wait to meet Speedy Petey. I, I don't no, even I don't want to dance. A, wanna, lap with dance. a lot of great, uh,
1: great players, even ex NFL players. He I, would tell me I, I don't know how much higher I would be on the totem pole there. First of all,
2: it, he would rather actually get a lap dance than meet you, Speedy. Well, yes, okay? he admitted that. Okay. I would agree with that. So, so why would you agree with it? I don't you? know
1: what to expect.
2: What do you mean you don't? to expect. You have a woman grinding on you. That's it. That's what to expect. How do you miss that? <laughs> I didn't say I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying. That I don't we know. might have to double-douche you, man. I didn't I mean, say I, I wouldn't. Okay. Triple, triple sack For you. the record,
1: for the record, I didn't say I wouldn't do
2: it. I just said I don't know how much we're I going, would embrace it. You know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to bring extra underwear for you. Okay, okay. whatever.
1: <laughs> I don't care what the process is. I am just unsure. That is it. I didn't say I wouldn't do it if that was the case. I Let's... get to pick the woman. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Hopefully it's not the one on your flight.
2: Oh, oh no, she's no hippo. That's for sure. Sure. Anyways, uh, before we go, let's go. Uh, let's go through our picks, and we'll do our. You know, obviously, Saturdays' games and then Sundays' games for the NFL.
1: You ready, Speedy? All righty. So we'll start with the uh, Aaron Aaron, his local team, the Baltimore Ravens, and his Super Bowl pick, taking on the Houston Texans. In this one, I think the Texans impressed me a lot with the game plan that they had against the against the Browns. I look at the. Stretching the field with the tight ends, the way they're able to. Dalton Schultz had a good impact in that game too, and Brevin Jordan, a rookie guy, that I think really made a difference. And I think that's going to be a good matchup to expose the Ravens. Marcus Williams has really struggled in coverage, and I think C.J. Stroud will look at that kind of thing. I just worry about Nico Collins going up against Marlon Humphrey. I don't think he'll have the same success as he did against Denzel Ward. So I am going to take the Ravens. I think Lamar Jackson has a nice game running. I think Gus Edwards, like you're saying, could get a touchdown, but I think the Ravens win it close. Houston does cover, though. I agree with the betting guys. Give me the Ravens 27-21.
2: Oh, I love this game. I think it's going to be a fun, high-flying game. J. Stroud obviously is going to win rookie of the year, 63.9% completion percentage, 4,108 yards, 23 touchdowns, five interceptions as he's throwing the least amount of interceptions in all of the NFL out of all starters. It's unbelievable. He's he, one of the best. Young rookies we've seen come out of the draft in the last 10 years. And uh, put up a really good game against a Browns team, one of the, if not the best defense in all of football throughout the season. But this isn't Joe Flacco, okay? This is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is high-flying, runs the ball very, very well, probably the best mobile quarterback in the NFL. 67.2% completion percentage, 3,678 yards, 24 touchdowns, seven interceptions. I think he's going to have over 75 yards running in this game. He's going to dominate on his leg uh, with his feet. And I think Zay Flowers is going to score at least a touchdown in this game. I want another guy, another rookie that looks really, really good. 77 receptions, 858 yards, and five touchdowns. I like him. Odell Beckham will have a touchdown in this game as well as he's been very explosive in the playoffs. We saw him with the Rams. If he didn't tear his ACL, he probably wins the MVP of the Super Bowl. So I, I think the Texans... Deserve all the credit in the world with, uh, obviously, D'Amico Ryans, who I think is going to be up for coach of the year. Might win coach of the year. And Nico Collins played very well last week. And 80 receptions for uh, 1,297 yards and eight touchdowns. Fantastic year. But he's the only guy. And all they have to do is stick Marlon Humphreys on him. And it's going to uh, it's going to turn them into a one-dimensional team. And that's why I think it will be close.
1: They will cover. But I'm going to have the Baltimore Ravens moving on to the AFC title game. All righty, so we go to the NFC now with the uh, Lions and the Buccaneers. And this is interesting. The Lions at home, I like their game plan a lot for the Rams the last week game. I was mentioning the red zone defense being a very big key. And Tampa, in the first half, had to settle for a lot of field goals. And I think that can make a big difference when they haven't been able to finish drives. Rashad White is a good running back, but a smaller running back. They don't really have that other power guy to get in the end zone. So I think it'll be a lot like the Lions-Rams game. I think you're going to see Tampa really stretch the field. Baker Mayfield, I think, has over 300 yards. But I think the Lions will hold their own in the red zone. So give me the Lions in this one. I'm going to say 27-23. Oh, I think this is going to be a very close game. I, I believe the Buccaneers will have a chance to win. Mm-hmm.
2: I think they'll have the lead going into the fourth quarter. But you're going into Detroit, and and Detroit has been sensational this year. Campbell likes to go on 4th and 1s and 4th and 2s. I expect it against the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are a very good defensive team. Throughout the second half of the season, they've been one of the better defensive teams. They have great linebackers and a great front seven. Jared Goff, who played very well against the Rams... Uh, obviously uh, Matthew Stafford had a a better game than Jerichoff, but he was very efficient. Uh, This year 67.3% completion percentage, 4,575 yards, 30 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Sensational year. Was at one point an MVP candidate. And St. Brown, I think, is going to have a sensational game, but I think the guy that's going to stand out in this game, that's going to win this game for them, is LaPorta. Sam LaPorta, I think, is the next up-and-coming tight end in the league. Uh, Travis Kelsey, whatever, you want to Call him Kittle, George Kittle. This guy has it all. He could block, he could catch, and he plays hurt. I think he's sensational. I think he's going to play a big part in this game. And by the way, I believe Gibbs is going to be able to rub him the ball in this game, and that's going to be the difference maker. Give me the Lions
1: on the money. All right, the Green Bay Packers. Can they continue their miracle run against the 49ers? Our betting guys think that they could cover I don't. I think this is going to be a tougher one because the 49ers have the two biggest things to hurt the Packers defense. Dallas, you didn't really see expose it very well with Tony Pollard, who's a smaller running back, but Christian McCaffrey and even Elijah Mitchell, I think even in short yardage situations, I could see having an impact in this game. George Kittle, I think, has a big game in this one against these Packers linebackers that are a little bit smaller and I don't think Jordan Love has that same success. I I think he'll play well. I do think he'll have some turnovers in this game, though, against that Niners pass rush. This is a tougher interior offensive line matchup for the Packers to have to deal with. I like Jaden Reed to play well in this game, but that's really it. I don't think Dobbs will have the same effect. Give me the Niners in this one. I'm going to say 31-20. to 20. Well, right now the Green Bay Packers are a
2: Cinderella team. They're the youngest team right now, and the players the youngest team in the NFL. Jordan Love was sensational this year, 64.3 completion percentage, uh, 4,159 yards, 32 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He was sensational against the Cowboys, but really stuck out is the Cowboys couldn't stop the run. Aaron Jones was all over the place, three touchdowns, and and just was explosive coming back and at 100% healthy. This is the 49ers. This is one of the best front sevens in the league, if not the best front seven in in the league. Nick Nick Bosa is very explosive. I think they're going to be able to stop the run and make them one-dimensional. I think Brock Purdy is going to have a big game. I think he'll throw close to 300 yards in this game. And I'm going to tell you, Brandon Ayuk will score. Christian McCaffrey will score. Brock Purdy will score with his legs. I believe this will be over 50. I'm going to tell you right now, the over-under, 45.5, I think it is, Bet it over fifty. I think it'll be a high-scoring game, but I think, uh, I, I think, and I know, San Francisco is going to win this game at home. Give me San Francisco on
1: the money. All right, and our final one: the West Kansas City Chiefs going to Buffalo to take on the Bills. This one, I, I know you were saying this. You think it's a higher-scoring game. I actually going to go a different direction. I feel like the snow benefits the running more in this game, so I think you're going to get a lot of running but then field goals later on. The Chiefs' defense will hold their own and the Bills' defense has been very good in the red zone in their winning streak right now, but I am going to take the Bills in this one. I do think, I still think they have more trustworthy options. I think the tight ends like they did against the Steelers will be able to expose those Chiefs' safeties uh, with Brian Cook hurt, a lot of backup guys playing and I think that will be the difference in this game and Josh Allen rushing I think will be another big key in this game, so I am going to take the Bills in this one. I think it will be a little more lower score. I know you're thinking this is the over. I'm going to go say Buffalo, I'm going to say 23-17. to I
2: don't know if Gabe Davis is going to play, and Stefan Diggs is not healthy going into the game. And that could be a huge, huge problem going into Sunday. But Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's played as good as any quarterback in the second half of the season. He really brought this... Bills team back and winning the division where it looked like it was Miami's division to win, uh, and, and really they ran the book. Very, they ran the ball very well. Cook was running the ball very well this year, uh, over 237 attempts, 1,122 yards. He did only have two touchdowns, but I think Josh Allen is going to be able to run in this game. I don't think Kansas City is going to be able to to stop. Josh Allen, his big body. When they need to, you know, put pressure on this defense, I think they're going to be able to put pressure on the defense. I think Stefan Diggs will score a touchdown in this game, but again, Kansas City will put up points. We know what Kansas City could do. Travis Kelsey will have a touchdown. Um, I, I do. I do believe they're going to hold Pacheco to a bare minimum, and this is a Buffalo Bills team that likes to stop the run. I expect them to stop uh, Pacheco. They're going to make them one-dimensional, and they're going to make Patrick Mahomes make mistakes in the middle of the field. It will be very close, and I think it'll be high-scoring, and this might go to overtime, but it's the Buffalo Bills at home. It's not Kansas City. It's in Buffalo this time, and I think that's the advantage the Buffalo Bills have, uh, and all the Swifties could be dancing and doing whatever the hell they want, but they're not going to be dancing in this game because Josh Allen... And the Buffalo Bills are moving on to the AFC title game to meet the Baltimore Ravens. Give me Buffalo
1: on the money. So they finally overcome their overtime demons after the They made the rule for them, and now they finally do it. It's been crazy. I want to thank Aaron Henderson. He was
2: fantastic. Hopefully we didn't bother him or (laughs) or ruin any of his drinking time with his buddies or whatever the heck he's doing right now. So thank you to Aaron Henderson, and thank you uh, to former – MLB outfielder and current Dodgers professional scout, our friend Greg Golson, for joining us. He was fantastic. By the way, enjoy football this weekend, the divisional games. This is, obviously, everybody says the wild card games are the their their favorite time of the year. I think it's the divisional games. It game is. Because this is the best football you're going to watch all season long. And with the teams that are in it, I mean, who doesn't want to see Buffalo and Kansas City play against one another? The last time we saw it in the playoffs was two years ago. It went to overtime. Gabe Davis, I think, had three or four touchdowns. Four touchdowns, yeah. Four touchdowns in the game. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. The last what five minutes of the game went back and forth, yeah. back and forth, and 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 the rules changed in the playoffs in overtime when Patrick Mahomes took the ball all the way, took the the Kansas City Chiefs all the way down the field to win the game and never gave Josh Allen another chance to mm-hmm. throw the ball. So um, I think it's going to be different this year. It might go to overtime. I think it's going to be high scoring. It's going to be fun. I think the Lions being in in the divisional game is so fantastic. I, I the Buccaneers. Who would have thought? that they would be there the Texans I mean there's so many surprises right now uh, during the divisional series and and now you're getting the divisional games and now you get a chance to see some of these young players these young young up and coming teams even the Green Bay Packers should they be there I mean, the, the young up-and-coming quarterbacks and, and all these teams that we're expecting to see here every single year. So it's going to be a fun weekend.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And those divisional games are usually, besides the Giants-Eagles won last year, the, they usually are close for the most part. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention, uh, Reno Johnny did send over some picks. Uh, he couldn't make it tonight because he was coaching. But he did have the Texans uh, plus 9.5, so he agrees with Wes on that one. He has the Packers covering as well, plus 10. Uh, Bucks covering plus 7. And then the Bills on the money line, minus 150. Well, thank you to Reno Johnny. So, uh, those are more picks for all you betting men or betting
2: women that, uh, you know, bet on Reno, bet on West, bet on me. I'm telling you, that final pick, my parlay, go with it. I'm telling you. Go with it. You'll win some money. I think Ayuk, Purdy, and McCaffrey will score in that game. And uh, I think you'll win some money. Uh, you bet whatever you want. You bet $100. bucks. you will bring a lot of money home to your mama.
1: Brock Purdy with the bring tush push. Bring it home to mama.
2: Brock Purdy with the tush push. push. Suck it, Eagles fans. See, are you going to bring it home to mama?
1: Not this week. weekend. Uh, you know, just
2: bring it home to mama.
1: Uh, she's not coming this weekend. Well,
2: I'll bring it home to mama. No, you okay? won't. What do you mean? I'll bring it home to mama. No, home. you won't. I mean, I'm, I'm offering. Good for you. I mean, I'm offering. Good for you. Mama. I I'm, I didn't say your mama. I'm bringing it home to mama. All right. Well, you could do it to anyone else's. No, hey, hold on one second. I didn't say anybody else's. I just said I want to bring it home to Mama. Sure. All right. You want to roll with? your... So let's let's do it together. You let's want to bring roll... it home to you, Mama? You want to roll with your uh, cliche saying, "God." I mean, are you going to bring it home to Mama?
1: I, I guess not. I don't know. <laughs>
2: bring it home to Granny? Well, technically, yes. Oh, <laughs> there you go. So show us what you're going to do for Granny. I don't know. You said you're going to bring it home. So I are you don't to know. Home? What are you bringing to Granny? You said you're technically bringing it home to Granny. What are you bringing home to Granny? I guess football knowledge. <laughs> you're gonna sit there and have a conversation with Grandma about football knowledge. She'll probably think you're nuts.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's she's more of a base, She likes baseball more. All right. So, does she drop knowledge with you when it comes to baseball? No, but she does watch. She does watch the teams that she likes a lot. So she's very. Uh... Do you drop bows with her? Bows? Bows, yeah. No, I don't drop, drop bows.
2: You drop bows, you know? I do not drop bows. You know? What kind of meat does she like? Uh, she likes pretty much everything. She likes beef? Yeah. What kind of sausage does she like? Sweet. Sweet? Sweet? Dark? Sweet. Sweet? And so what is sweet? Is that Lighter. Dark? Lighter. So she likes it white?
1: Yeah, the Italian
2: one. All right. The Italian sausage. All right. Sweet one. All right. Uh, it's a great show, by the way. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us as always. Thank you to all the fans out there uh, that tune in to us and downloads. 53,000 downloads all over Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you to all the fans. In three months, uh, 53 downloads. Uh, for the, the sports loudmouth. We we really appreciate you guys. I hope you guys enjoy the entertainment that we, we deliver to you. Thank you to the fans. Listen to the Weekend Crunch. Are the Islanders playing on Saturday? No, they are not. So there you go. No pregame show for the Islander fans. I apologize, but we will be back next week. I'm sure there's a Saturday game for the Islanders. Uh, but thank you to all the fans. Keep listening to us. Weekend Crunch, 103.9 LI News Radio. All you have to do to tune in is you go to L.I. News Radio. If you don't live in New York, go to L.I. News Radio on iHeartRadio and you can tune in at 7 p.m. on Saturday night with me
1: and Speedy Petey. Until then, until next week, Wednesday, do we have any guests? Not planned at the moment, but Sean Merriman was interested in coming on. Maybe him, possibly again for the first time in a couple years, but he was interested in coming on. Does he want to fight?
2: Maybe. Does he want to grapple?
1: Maybe. You can ask him. You know what we're going to do? We're gonna bring him.
2: To, we'll bring him to a nice MMA, you know, event, and then he'll grapple with you and, and bend you like a pretzel. Well, of course, you want. I I, I. I. We'll. We'll tie two of his arms behind his back, so he only can use his legs. Maybe you have he'll a
3: chance.
2: Still he'll still win. he gonna win
1: if he can't use his arms. I would trust him to know that he has a company of fighting. I would trust him to know what to do.
3: I,
2: I'll, teach against me. I'll
1: teach you. I'll teach you. I'll teach you. Anyways. <laughs> I don't uh, think that's going to make a difference. Anyways. Uh, we no really... offense to your teaching. I don't think that's going to make a difference. Oh, really?
2: Are you, are you attacking my no, teaching No, no, no. I said no offense to your teaching. My, my knowledge t- is good. No, no. Your knowledge is
1: fantastic. My knowledge? My knowledge is good. Your knowledge of fighting is fantastic. I don't think it's going to work on somebody with my body type. My
2: knowledge. You said knowledge.
1: Okay. That's
2: a new word. I mean, we should put that in a Webster dictionary. Knowledge.
1: Sure. If you know what? What that
2: We'll say dodge
1: the dollar, okay? Dollage. Okay. Regardless, I was not insulting your knowledge of teaching fighting. I was insulting my own body type. So if I if I tied a dollar to a
2: string, would you follow it? Do you I don't to... know. That, you know. You could dodge it. Sure. Dodge it. Uh, you knowledge. Right there. Sure. All right. There we go. I, I, we figured out a new word. So ladies and gentlemen, the new word of the Webster Dictionary for Speedy Petey, the Speedy's Webster Dictionary of the Week Dollage, dodging a dollar. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Until next week, this is Errol Marks and Speedy Peedy in Speedy Petey and the sports. Loudmouth and scoops. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Good night, everybody.
3: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.